0: This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. We're excited uh, to, to be with you today. Also, I have Michael Patrick Davis here oh, with me, my co-host. <laughs> uh, producer Matthew David Dillner. I need to start calling him David Dillner. No. That really rolls. That really rolls off the no. tongue. Dave Dillner.
1: David Dillner. Damn it,
0: David Dillner. <laughs> Damn, it, David Dillner.
1: <laughs> Damn it, David Dillner.
0: And our social media expert, Leah Marie Vaughn.
1: TMI.
0: Leah what Marie. That's a nice. That's day, nice. Yeah. Did you, is that if, what your dad would say when you got in trouble, Leah Marie? Oh yeah. Because totally. that's. Well, I say that because uh, when we named Isla Rose. I told Amy, I said, when she's in trouble, you know, we're gonna say Isla Rose. Yeah, yeah. But you know, any other day, it's Isla.
1: That's what middle names are for. Yeah. <laughs> for just when you're it's, in trouble, but
0: only when they really connect well. Right. Like some middle, some first and middle names, like Michael Patrick.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really A lot of syllables yeah. makes
0: me want to drink
2: beer.
1: Michael Davis in itself is just a common name. I wish they would have given me a little bit of more of a uh, unique middle name.
0: What would you prefer?
1: I don't know, like a uh, gambler. <laughs> Uly- Ulysses. <laughs> Ulysses. All right.
0: Well, anyways, we got a great show for you today. Matthew Benedetto is on the show. We also have a movie review. Oh, that's right. That's right, man. Let's get started. Right,
3: Man, I'm excited about this. Del Junior Download.
0: Del Junior Download. Del Junior Download. Del Junior Download. Del Junior Download.
2: Del Junior Download.
0: Del Junior
4: Download.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i no, available for children's birthday parties. Holy crap. <laughs> mm, mm, mm-hmm. <sighs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> They'll do near down low. Oh my God,
1: that's perfect. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> sounds just like Queen in boh- Bohemian <laughs> Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the boys wanted to, to welcome you back with uh, laughter.
1: Hey, <laughs> that's that's nice. it worked. That's good stuff.
0: Yes, we're back. (laughs) It seems like forever.
1: Man, it does feel like forever. Yeah. I mean, it's actually been, what, a week and a half? Not, you know, two weeks, something like that. But uh,
0: we do this show every week on uh, Monday. And um, last week we had to move our our recording to uh, accommodate some vacation plans (laughs) that didn't work (laughs) work out. Didn't exactly pan out, did they? (laughs) So um, it's just been a long time, but it's good to be back in the studio. And we've got um, a movie review, so we talked about it on social media, but if in case you weren't uh, aren't on Twitter or weren't following along, I found out that um, Steve LaTard had never seen Days of Thunder. Right. right? And that, that in itself is, is pretty miraculous, but the fact is he worked at Hendrick Motorsports, who supplied basically all the race cars, or a lot of the cars, and technology, advisory, and everything. I mean, they basically helped them solely make the movie. <laughs> right. It's about... Tim Richmond-esque, you know, it's sort of about a driver that drove at Rick Hendricks and they modeled the owner and everybody. I mean, the whole thing is basically influenced.
1: Yeah, you would think they'd play, play the movie at the employee entrance video, like yeah. when they hire them, they play probably play it and then quiz them on it.
0: Yeah, so we, you know, that, that makes it even more astonishing that Steve never saw the movie. He did start working there after the movie was out, so he wasn't working there when they were making the movie. Right? Does that make sense? Makes sense. So that was his excuse. Well, I wasn't, you know, working there when all this was going on, but still. It's still pretty fresh. I know, and it's a race. I mean, if you're in racing, I would think that you have seen almost all of the racing movies ever made, even the ones about F1 and any car or anything else, even the bad ones. Right. So uh, we're going to bring him in. He's actually went and watched the movie, and so let's get his review. Bring on Steve
1: Letarte. Oh, here he comes with his, he's got a Starbucks. Man, already been to South got his aviator sunglasses. <laughs> yeah,
5: don't be giving me any. <laughs>
1: oh, is this a TV? Is this a game show? Oh Alright, boy.
0: Man. This is serious. So, here's the, here's the rules. Uh, hold on hit the second. buzzer. Can I turn my cell phone? You need a movie review There's music. a lot of rules right That is here. not movie
1: review
5: music. That is game show. That was game show. Oh, I'm good now. They got me. Yeah, that yeah. is game show music for sure. It is. <laughs> what did All you try to the... claim that
1: was? There's all kinds of surprises today. We didn't oh, know boy. any of this stuff. Yeah, Steve,
0: I, you're you're playing to win these items on the table. <laughs> 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 all right, so we were just talking about it, introducing you. You not you hadn't seen the movie. You said though once you were, you said though you had seen pieces, but never the whole thing. There's run a lot through, of right.
5: Uh, a lot of highlight reels, you, but I've never stitched them together in the order of the movie.
0: All right, so and you had uh, you made an excuse at one point that you didn't see the movie. But, you know, I wasn't working at Hendrick Motorsports when the movie was getting
5: made and all I that. I don't was know going if on. I made that Guess
1: excuse. Guess who? None of us were I either. Saw, yeah.
5: <laughs> so I don't think I made an excuse. I just never had interest enough. Apparently, what,
1: can, how is
5: that possible? I don't know.
0: I connect the movie to Hendrick Motorsports. It's so influenced by Rick and his company, and uh, they used all their cars, the paint schemes, City Chevrolet, all that. There's so many connections to HMS within it's the clearer movie. Clearer
5: now, for sure.
0: Right? Yeah. All right. So, as a as a <laughs> as a man in motorsports, you grew up in racing. Your family was in racing. Do you not seek out racing movies and watch all the even the bad ones like Driven? And...
5: <laughs> Apparently not, because that was not, and I don't know that one either.
0: Well, we need to make a list of movies that right, well, you need well, to see before <laughs> you know hey, before d- you take so, another step in your journey. I, I, Fire
1: I, I, off a couple, let's just see which ones he's he's watched.
0: All right, so an e- easy one, Stroke Race.
5: Nope. Oh, God, Steve, you have to see Stroke Race. I, I don't think I'm a movie guy. That's all right. Clearly, uh, you are. <laughs> of
0: course, you're a movie guy.
5: Stroke Race. Nope. Driven. Nope. Uh, don't you don't need to
0: see Driven. Okay. Uh Stroker Race Um Driven's a bad movie. Okay, good. I could can... Um Six Pack. Nope. With uh Kenny Rogers. Nothing. Diane Lane.
5: Nothing. Um I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, Six Pack. Really? No. Nope. My God. I, um I feel like you've let me down last... all this time. We've known each don't other. a Don't put long this time. on me. Yeah, how's he let <laughs> you His down? Heart.
0: How about <laughs> Last American Hero?
5: Never heard okay. of that one either.
0: Those are three Racing movies about NASCAR stock car that I would see if I were you, All since right. you're in the stock car world. I got to making you some s-
5: notes before everybody turns on you me. You
0: seen Rush?
1: No. Nope. Oh, Th- uh, Talladega Nights. Uh, Talladega Nights, probably. God, if that's the only one you've seen.
5: Um, I'm sure I've seen. Don't it. worry about I've that. I've seen that one. Don't put that one
1: in your list. Uh, but I've seen
5: that one. I'm sure of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Rush is uh, Opie. Yeah, Ron Howard. Ron Howard, incredible, incredible film. Uh, directed that, and it's oh, about.
5: Wait, wait, wait. I might have seen that Nikki Nicky and... Uh, I've seen that one. I've yep. seen that one. So I know that was the name. Yeah. yeah, I knew that one.
0: That's a great, great movie. That was a
1: spectacular movie. Yeah.
0: A Le Mans is an old movie. Grand Prix. Grand yes. Prix and Le Mans. I would watch both of those. Yeah, I'm making my list. Well,
1: Grand Prix is amazing. Yes. I yes. mean, come on. That's, I mean, that's a great racing movie. Nothing. Santa...
5: I'm waiting I for have you to really make of this list. The Senate documentary. Are you really going to make it? I'm making it. I don't know if I'm ever going to watch them all, but I'm going to make the list.
1: No, we're going to do You
5: this. and your son could watch them together. This will be very educational. So my for him. wife was really. She said she made my son watch um, Days of Thunder twice. Yep. Didn't know that I hadn't seen it. She was very disappointed. <laughs> your me. wife? She was married. More disappointed than this table was. Wow. <laughs> well. She was crushed. She right. said, and I quote: "She goes." You know that's all about Hendrick, right? And I was like, apparently I didn't. (laughs) How does Hendrick let you get away with that? Ray Abraham on Twitter was also very disappointed. He was. was. I actually Uh, put it back on him. Like, I mean, shouldn't that have been part of my job? Like, you know. That's
1: what I think. I thought it was part of the uh, entry interviews that Hendrick Motorsports employees go through. Right, right. And it might be, Steve. I mean, you still probably, I mean, you're just like, "I I don't need it. I'm I'm Steve Lutard. I've got this. <laughs> this is like the greatest. I,
5: <laughs> hey, hey, hey <laughs> know, that's the greatest. I was, I was running a mean broom.
1: Nope, they run running a mean broom. Mean broom at the time. Like, like, yeah, you didn't have time. You were the broom sweeper. You man, didn't man, have listen. time to be watching movies. No, we were committed. So you're here to give us a review
0: of Days of Thunder. Your impressions after watching the movie.
5: You know, it was a it was a fine. You know, so here's the thing. I was tainted because after everybody heard that I hadn't. Twitter exploded, and half the people can't believe I didn't see it, and half the people were trying to downgrade the film. I know. I didn't yeah, like that. I thought it was a solid enough film. Like right. I'm not saying it was a highlight. Like It changed right. my life, but I was like, eh. Of all the, you know, apparently, so I didn't put it. It wasn't a documentary-type level, right? It was just a, a, a somewhat fictional kind of, you sure. know. I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, it had real race footage from real racetracks. Right. People were mad they connected the wrong track to the wrong footage. I'm I like, know, yeah. they're way too in the weeds. Like, right. the fact that it was real- cars of the correct era right. on the right race, that was good enough for me. Yeah, I, I didn't need a lot, so I, I was good with it. I was good with the whole thing.
1: Right, I right. learned
5: a lot. I put a few out, like talking to a car, totally real. Oh, you do that? Oh, yes. You've talked to your race cars. Many times. Do you say a lot of, I've got to give you an extra minute? No, no, pan. no. It's more, what I've learned you is you ever he, was, to a car- he was talking, and I more was begging, I think. <laughs> my- <laughs> oh yeah. I need you to turn the middle. I just need <laughs> you to be good through the entry and turn the middle. Is this
0: a conversation you're having? When in the presence of the car, or while oh yeah, no
5: presence of the car. So you know, there's a lot of times you're the last one at the shop. So much like here with the window, right? You see it out there. Yeah, you go out and have a little talk with it before you go home. So nobody's oh, ever seen you have a conversation. No, you can't do the, the conversation in front of someone. Yeah. Because they would do think, you have the
0: conversation know. in your mind or do you say the words?
5: Oh, you know me. They're out loud. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <What> <laughs> I bet this has got to be on some. Uh, <laughs> this has got to be camera. on some security camera
1: footage <laughs> at HMS because they don't you let know any, it is. They don't let anything slap that watched it. Right, you know they've watched it there's somebody at Hendrick Motorsport's like that idiot's talking to the car again,: Well yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so you talk to the cars. talked that, to that the cars. A, that was totally a real. realistic thing. Yeah, right, yeah, right. What else? What else did you like about it?
5: So look, like I said, I thought the footage was good, but the cars were cool. I thought the uh, the whole like that that's what I expect racing in that era to be like, right Like there wasn't a lot of. F- now, I don't know about riding in the back of the trailer, but driving to the racetrack, the guys at the shop. So I've been up to the single-level shop forever. That was where uh, Pop Hendrick's shop was. And like it didn't look exactly like that, but it was pretty dang close with a yeah. single roll-up door, yeah. the office in the back with the old coffee maker. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. That's kind of what it was. Yeah. So, picnic table in the corner. I mean, that's, that was I was there yeah. firsthand. So. so
0: the barn in the movie. You know the barn, right? Yep. All right. The barn, I lived on Lake Norman on Irvin Road. And it's a dead end road, and it's right across the street from Best Buy in Mooresville right. on One Fifty. Okay. Yep. All right, right next to Best Buy, basically is where that barn is. Yeah, still still is. today, still yep. today. I so don't know. this is a road back, trip. I'm getting ready to take. Right.
5: when I leave here, I might go look for the barn. Well, it's so there. If, yeah. If you
0: go to if you're driving down One Fifty out of Mooresville toward Denver. Irvin Road is on your right. We used to live down that road. Dad's first, that when Dad bought his lake house in 78, that's down that road. And across the street from, across 150 on the other side of the road from Irvin Road is the barn. And while they were making the movie, I would drive my little S10 pickup truck down Irvin Road and park in the field and sit in the sit on the tailgate and watch.
5: And watch them film?
0: Well, I wouldn't get close. I yeah, would right. be about 300 yards away. But they would light that damn barn up. Oh. In the middle of the night, really? like it was daytime, really, it was incredible how much they could how they could light it up, um, and there was nothing there at the time, no Best Buy, no right, five right, right. guys, just, none of, f- it was just fields and it was not developed at yeah. this time and so I remember that uh being really cool i couldn't i'm like i I'm, in my mind, Tom Cruise was there every night, obviously he probably wasn't even <laughs> right. at the barn yeah. scene or around yeah. that spot shooting much at all. But I'm thinking, man, Tom Cruise and all those guys He's are over there, big right at the, and stayed yeah. at the days in. Well, Robert Duvall might have, right? They might have. Yeah. Uh, but they shot they shot there for quite a while, considering how much of that barn is in the movie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that barn that was one thing that I'll always remember. Tom Cruise, I got to meet him. Okay. So at Dad's Deerhead Shop on the property at DEI, the original building that was first put there. Still there today, still the same as it was when Dad was alive. When he died, they locked the doors. But we were in that uh, shop, and Dad and Teresa and everybody's like, "All right, Tom Cruise has come by. They want to talk to Dad." And so we're me and Kelly are standing there. Tom Cruise comes walking in, rather short fella. Yeah, uh, had some pimples on his face, but he's a lot younger back then. I just remember his face kind of being broke out. I'm I was the
5: details. I don't
0: even. I was tw- I was twelve. Okay. I don't know. Wait, wait, no, I was. 18, 17, 90, this is 92, 91. Uh, I don't yeah. remember when they made the movie. 92? Yeah, like you would not. have been around 18. 92. Well, this is before they even started making the movie. Okay. So I was probably about 14, 15.
1: Well, if you were born in 74, if yeah. this was 92, then you'd be... Well, this is
0: before they started making this the movie. Is, okay, don't don't you're
1: start right, you're right. 1990,
0: 1990. Right. Right I got you. So he comes in. I'm like, all right, he's short, face a little broke out. Him and dad, he said, hey, we said, hey, it was very cool. He walked into the, uh, Dad's office. Dad had this small little office, and him and Dad sat in there by themselves for over an hour mm. talking. Really? Yeah. Research? Yes. And uh, they, the rumor is that they offered Dad, or were trying to convince Dad, to take the role of Rowdy
5: Burns. I've heard this rumor. What? Before even seeing the movie, I had heard this. That, yeah, so these are the facts I have heard before. Yeah. That they gave him the chance to play the part, and he turned it down. He did not,
0: and he turned it down because he did not want to be a, the bad guy.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Real life bad guy was okay, <laughs> right. but the Hollywood bad guy was too much. <laughs> it was too thank much. You. Hey, thank you.
1: thank Dad, Dad went on. I just on. don't want to come off, you know, hey, intimidating dad, anybody.
0: Dad went on to rebound with roles in basketball. And, <laughs> and that, okay. Hey, 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 hey. And the Flintstones in, <laughs> in Viva Rock, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Small cameos in both of those. So uh, he met... uh, All right,
1: we're gonna take. Who, who was we... giving him <laughs> brand, advice? <laughs> brand advice?
5: So I had heard. I had heard that was the case. That he was. Yeah. It was given the shot at the role. Wow. So I'm glad that story came up.
0: Yep. So you um you liked the movie. You enjoyed it. Did Listen, you? I gave it a solid B.
5: B+. Everybody loves I mean, talking about the. That's, that's. Everybody loves
0: first. the scene about the drafting. Oh, the yeah,
5: drafting.
1: Yeah. What was your favorite scene?
5: Um. I think when he was talking to the car was my favorite scene. It's gotta
1: be it, right? That was
5: it for me. But I did put I put out there that the drafting scene, first of all, it's not sugar, it's sweet and low. You gotta get your facts right if you want it sweet and low packets. And then I put down there very clearly that if every eighteen year old boy was explained drafting with that, we'd have (laughs) much better drafters. (laughs) Everybody would go to Daytona Tell (laughs) I'd be like, I get it. Yeah. Now I get it. (laughs) I mean that's an eight, it's, it's solid.
1: That's why I told uh NASCAR Kazem who is always dogging the movie which surprises me but I said but it's going to come back when De- when when the only realistic part that Stevie finds from the movie is the, the drafting, drafting. Yeah. example. I yeah.
5: also think though that that we can, you know, listen there's a lot we can learn from that like racing back to the yellow when was that ever a good idea?
1: Yeah. Right. Right. It, but mean, that, right, but that was realistic. I mean, okay. that's, I mean I'm not like, saying it wasn't realistic.
5: No, no, I know, but that's good right. to relive. I think everybody needs to go back and rewatch it.
1: Listen, you know the thing about it—that's 100. I don't. Th- I think it's timeless. Right? It's oh, kind it of time. Absolutely is. Well, there might be some unrealistic things. Uh, even they may have been realistic then. What I think it captures is the 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 personalities of racing when I think of oh, Robert yeah. Duvall's character there are people even today that it reminds me of that are in our sport yeah. I mean like pops
5: I was gonna say all I could picture was Tony Uri Sr. every time I mean he had something to say I was like I, I, I feel like I've worked with this guy. can
1: you just see pops and you going to a test and then you know him going his way my way and I was faster. You know, that would be a pop's line, oh,
5: wouldn't no it? No. no, no. I want to know, though, did people wreck rental cars before the movie or was this the green light that you could like, tear up rental cars? Well, that
0: scene was sort of off of based off of a real life event between dad and Jeff Benign. But the truth of that is, is that the story is that dad and Jeff Benign took rental cars and wrecked them on the way to dinner. Because NASCAR's Bill France was going to make them all go to dinner mm-hmm. and meet. And so the, the rumor was that Dad and Jeff took these rental cars and got to banging and having fun. And by the end of the night, they're, they're like, Descray. ha-ha, back slapping and right. everything's great. But the truth is, is that uh, Rick Hendrick told me that that's not how it went. That actually they made Dad and Jeff ride in the same car to dinner. Oof, that's rough. Yeah but they they twisted it up a little bit for the movie cuz that's a better story. That's guys. way
5: better. If they were to run together, it would have been a, yeah. a, it would have been not memorable at all, just a yeah. part of the movie.
0: Someone yeah. would have had to write some creative lines to make yeah. that work.
1: I love that part of the movie.
0: I do too. My favorite part of the movie is well, th- there's a few um usually it's all of the racing stuff. The race mm-hmm. where where they're in the car, the motor blows or uh, <laughs> he breaks the motor on purpose. Um you remember when he oh. blows the motor on purpose? Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that might be from a rumor. Michigan, Tim Richmond. Tim Richmond's last race at Michigan, he broke the motor and the thought was that he might have done it on purpose. It was his very last race ever. And that he was like, you know what? I've had enough. I've had enough. enough." And so all these, if you're watching Days of Thunder, any kind of uh, moment like that in the movie is derived from a rumor or a story or tale of of, uh, NASCAR's real history.
5: Mm. so what i think is crazy is the things that i like are like no one else enjoyed i talking to the car was one but like the first test at charlotte just watching the laps at charlotte i was like man that's what like i so i've been able to test it all these tracks everybody else only sees it on race weekend i'm like that's what an empty track nobody there car making laps and the camera work was impressive to have this car it could have been going 80 but it looked like it was running 195 so i thought that was pretty cool
0: I'm with you on the, um, there was a couple parts in the movie that threw me, even as a kid, and even today, kind of threw me, where I got, I sort of got disconnected was uh, where they they mock, get pulled over on the side of the road yeah, by a right. police officer.
5: And so so the, here's the part, that's not a lounge of a truck where they were hanging out. That was the disconnect. Right. Like, you know, like they're riding in are like they're going in and out of a door and they're all in and they're not shaking around. Like I've rode in a truck before, man. You're not drinking moonshine. You're spilling it on your buddy. Right, right. Yeah. You're not drinking it. Right, right? So right. that was the only disconnect. That's the problem I and had And you there. would
0: never ride in the hauler.
5: No. no. You would he never would ride in the, in the lounge of now, the trailer. They would have pulled over about a 1978 conversion van... One hundred percent correct. <laughs> exactly. Right? You would have bought that. Yes. you have been like, oh, the old Mark Three yes. van, the yes. like, old oh. oh, Comfort Coach." Yeah. See, you everybody hanging it, out in
0: the Comfort Coach. <clears throat> now, maybe he could have had. they they could have had the Comfort Coach van in front of or behind yeah, the hauler. Right.
5: right. So then that. I
0: would have been like, "Oh yeah, I see what's going on." <laughs> right. But when, but when they're in this lounge, I'm like, "Wait, man, nobody. You can't ride in the lounge of the trailer. No, that never happened. Nobody ever did that." Right.
1: Did uh? The, did you see the comment? Somebody somebody said on Twitter like. It's not realistic, you know. They wouldn't eat ice cream on the pit box. And I thought, you don't know Steve Latart. No He's kidding. very capable of eating ice cream. But
5: I did get a cup of coffee delivered about every fifty minutes.
1: <laughs> so <clears throat> it's it's the same thing. Yeah, but it's the same ice cream. cream. I mean, listen,
5: I'm actually disappointed. I didn't think back then to have him bring me a coffee and an ice cream. <laughs> I feel like I really
0: missed right. an opportunity. He loves all, ice cream. Of of all the inconsistencies and oddities, that was the one that, that they had a problem with. That was it.
1: Well, I mean. The, and a number of yeah. other things, but now w- listen. Which we my have point made on long that runs. is that that's, that's that's really not picky. a stretch. That's no, not a stretch, no. right? We've made long
5: runs at a Martinsville test because we were all too hungover to change stuff. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the like your tire test, we're going to go run a hundred. All right. You say a
5: hundred? hundred. We got to make sure these brakes work.
1: Yeah, I hear. You. I mean, l- l- listen. You know, pan to the pits during the six hundred, and you got people eating over there like it's a buffet. Oh yeah. The pit crews, yeah. right? Oh yeah. That yeah. bojangles boxes,
5: man. They're everywhere. <laughs> right. The line back <laughs> there. You, you got to pre-order. <laughs>
1: That's right. Now you know the driver getting out and fighting the crew. Oh right. yeah, yeah. No, that but was that very was good. funny.
5: Although the, the the wreck after the check, you know, put the tires on, it goes out, and wrecks them. Yeah, I had somebody goes that would never happen, and I was like, um, that actually happened at Michigan. Wasn't it you that got <laughs> yeah. wrecked?
1: Well, I mean, they didn't go put tires on it, but, no, it, but it was the same thing. Thank Carl you. Edwards went out there and door banged him as he's on his thank celebration so, lap. So
5: some of these people, I think, that are, have problems with the movie. Just haven't been paying attention. Like I think the movie's more. Accurate I never than connected the people, it, but right. I can
0: blame Days of Thunder for that. I think so. Teaching, <laughs> car, teaching Carl Edwards that that was okay. Right. That was Tommy Ellis and
5: uh, Tommy
2: Ellis and uh, oh, Tommy so Houston. I Dale believe. Dale Jarrett that just told from at Martinsville. Dale yeah.
5: Jarrett just told this story to me the other day playing golf. He was t- so a buddy of mine who doesn't know anything about racing was asking like, does it ever get crazy? You know, do you always go the same way? And he told the story, and I'm shorting it way up, but basically five, four or five of them were racing for in what was then probably even Bush Grand National, and had some of them wreck. And who was it? Tommy Ellis came Tommy backwards. Ellis. Tommy Ellis got wrecked into one. Came straight off pit And road. Dale Jarrett said when he came off turn four racing to the check, it, here was Tommy Ellis coming the opposite way. Oh. And he said it went from trying to win to spl- just don't get hit head on. Wow. Wow. So, so listen, that- this has happened before. To your point, all of these
1: scenes are connected. Who was your favorite character?
5: Oh, man, I got to take my, my... Robert Duvall? Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, who's your second favorite character? Uh, the guy
5: that played Rick. How about
1: you? <laughs> Tim Dalen?
5: Oh, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was great, man. What's his
1: name? What's his real name? Uh, Nobody knows. Yeah. yeah, he's the guy... You know, I have
5: another, and then the guy that played Bill Sr.? Who was that actor?
1: Oh, it's uh, he's the old politician. What is that, that guy got? was
5: pretty good, yeah. too, because he didn't have a big part, but, man, he sold it.
1: He was a good I've belt. been
5: in the trailer, never with <laughs> Bill, but with <laughs> NASCAR executives. I like the Rowdy Burns guy. Rowdy was great. Rowdy he's, was, he's the guy that's doing the promos. Yeah. yeah he's I doing know. the NBC promos now. I thought
0: he was NASCAR ish and all that. He fit fit right in. I like Buck Believable.
5: Wasn't it
2: Buck? Yeah, Brotherton. Uh yeah. yeah Buck yeah. Buck was a pretty they were all pretty good. Really. Uh, Buck was John uh John C. John C. Rowley. That's
5: that was, one of my favorite actors. John oh, yeah, C. Rowley. He so, is. So I man. mean that, to your point. There was some pretty good Doctor
1: Steve Brule. <laughs> it's damn nice to meet you too, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Brewell's
5: rules
2: rules.
1: Brule's rules. Um I did not like the uh the the, the other bad driver, I R- Russ hair- Wheeler. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a that problem with a little man. bit of a stretch, too clean
5: cut. Like we jumped into the mid, we jumped a whole decade of NASCAR. You're right. Yeah, right. Like we, like that would, if it had come out 99, maybe. would like, Oh, I could totally see that. Yeah. But right. he was it's too much of a jump. I agree. I yeah. felt bad
2: for Hardee's because Hardee's has always had such badass racers, and all of a sudden, Russ Wheeler.
5: Damn. So here's my question, though. <laughs> he almost reminded me of the the blonde Russian from Rocky.
0: I agree, Drago.
3: Yeah,
5: <laughs> he showed up, and I'm like, "What is it? We're going to take the clean cup, blonde so ab- kid and make him the bad guy?" Rocky and Days of Thunder. <laughs> they kind of made around the same time frame. Maybe yeah. there was a sort Rocky of a Ford. trend. I, I didn't know if there was something I was missing.
1: We got to get him to watch another racing movie. This is so much fun. I have agree. Him review them. So
5: this, it was a big day. All right, we need a. Uh, we,
0: we're going to need a movie review on the movie Stroke Race.
5: Stroke Race. All right. All right I'm putting so that's your down. next
0: one to watch, and we'll have you back on to. To discuss your thoughts on that that's starring Burt Reynolds
5: um, I've never not liked a Burt Reynolds movie I'll you just will go love into love this one so so I have a lot of great movie quotes but no racing movies surprisingly yeah. will change what that. do you mean I mean you, like you, I've seen all the other ones you want like like you know the band like you smoker smoking the band yeah, you've like, watched it yeah, Animal House. <laughs> he like, looks all at the me classics. like, of
2: course I've watched Smokey That's my point. That's yeah.
5: why I was crushed. <laughs> I was crushed. So listen, so my what? Well, I we have my own uh, Tom Cruise story. So okay. he came to a banquet in New York and sat at our table.
1: Because of the Jeff Gordon retirement. Was that it? Remember, he he was the but surprise. I don't think Jeff he? had retired. No?
5: Yet. no, it was another banquet he was there for. A okay. Jimmy Championship, I think. Long story short, my okay. wife is infatuated with Tom Cruise. And he comes, sits at the table, and you know, he's super polite. And And he stands up and she stands up. It's very nice to meet you. And she's like lost in his eyes. And of course, I ruined this because my wife's like, he's just he's so engaging and he's so this and he's so that. And I'm like, yeah, he's an actor and a good one.
1: Yeah. and it crushed her. She
5: was like, "I thought I had a moment, and what? now you're telling me he was just acting." I went.
1: Hold on, I, I think she's right, and you're actually wrong because I think he is. I think he goes out of his way to be very engaging. He came to Fontana. I was gonna All right, say, so maybe I'm wrong. Okay. You are. So in 2008, that you agree with Trish.
0: I believe, we went to Fontana, and uh, I'm driving for Rick with Tony Junior, the crew chief, and we got in a wreck. Casey Mears spun out in some Weepers That's right. and clipped the right rear and spun me in the wall, and we went. To, and, the, and it rained to race out, and we had to spend the night and finish it the next day. Oh. So, Tom Cruise was in the garage while we were working on the car, and he had his son there with me. But Tom Cruise comes over, and he burns a hole in you when he looks at you. That's what she said. I thought 100%. he was trying.
1: He's right. All right. I thought he
0: was there for a second. He's trying to convert me over to Scientology <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, just with his gaze. And alone. whether or not he
1: was trying, he is now a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah, know, right.
0: Right. <laughs> k- kidding. But, anyways, he's he was a. Uh, It was very easy going, and like just walk up and go, man, tough luck, you know. We just started started having a conversation. I'm like,
1: gosh, that's exactly my takeaway from that. When he came, I mean, he had his son there. Yeah, his son was about 12 or 13. And when Tom Cruise talks to you, he really connects his eyes. I mean, he he really does. Yeah. Everything Trish Listen, said is if right. You're, if you're going to so, keep yeah. agreeing with her, and, and I'm then, not going to back then, on. And then he introduces his son, which is a you know a really cool thing to do if yeah. you're Tom Cruise. Never like, once hey, this breaking is eye contact. No, he <laughs> doesn't. here's my son, twelve years old.
0: Say hello. Say <laughs> hello.
1: Right. Say hello, son. <laughs> But I, I thought that Tom Cruise was a, a, a true gentleman and all that stuff. I mean, like, he had a swarm of people. Of course, Rick Hendricks walking around is like, I got two rock stars. You know? <laughs> you know, he's sitting there going, I got Dale Jr., I got Tom Cruise. Look at my life.
5: The only mistake I made today is I was going to get a city Chevrolet hat and wear it in here. There's one right there. Oh, yeah. I, I could have worn it. But. Yeah. That was also
0: the first race in Fontana where I learned that you could use the apron in turn three and four. Just for no, you know, I know that's neither here nor there. Really? Yeah. That was the first time I ran the apron in three and four.
1: I had forgotten that the Tom Cruise race was that <clears throat> race where you wrecked. Like in the, it was yeah. like the first ten yeah, laps. Did you right? wreck at
5: Rockingham and have to come back the next day to finish too?
1: I don't remember. I don't know about that, but he, I'm going to tell you something. You want to talk about the most miserable that you miserable story, of Dale Jr. Like the most miserable he's ever been. I would put that Fontana weekend against almost any of them because he, he wrecked early and then we had to stay and all. Just to be clear, day. so if, we had to if start there was the a race. Plane,
5: I'd have left. What's that? We'd have left if there was a. We weren't coming back to finish a race with a wrecked car. That wasn't happening. Like it, I would have drawn the line. Why did we stay? Because it was that? back then. It was points, man. Points, had yeah. It was like third race of the year. God, that's <laughs> right.
1: Right. That's what it was. Principle. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible. And
5: yeah. the Daytona 500 still king, even in the movie. There was a lot about the movie I enjoyed. There's, I don't really have a lot of complaints. I was yeah. expecting to have way more complaints. It didn't change my life, but it was a quality two and a half hours spent with my family sitting in the living room. Oh, did you all watch it together? Oh, you? Tri- you kidding me? When I told Trish this was going on, you. She- she couldn't run Netflix a month ago. Now she's like, Netflix Pro. Oh, it's right here. We can rent it. Oh, yeah, here it is. Everybody sit down. <laughs> Tyler came in the room talking. Hey, sit down. <laughs> was, awesome. it was, it was, we all sat there and watched uh, Days of Thunder.
1: Like a family.
5: Yeah, yeah nothing nice. like watching the drafting scene with your wife and two kids. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. Nothing <laughs> clears up drafting more than, than Tyler, pay attention, Ashlyn, cover your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Right, that's great. All, all right. right, Stroke Race. I got my notes. Stroke Race, man. That'll be the next one.
1: Good stuff. All right, buddy. Thank you, Stevie.
0: <laughs> See you, buddy. Before we end this open segment, there's one little small bit of uh, conversation I'd like to have. Let's so, do it. throwback weekend coming up, Darlington, right? And this, uh, the throwback weekend uh, obviously is what it is. You know, we get a nod to the history of the sport. And when teams show up or they're throughout the months before the race, even they're announcing their throwback schemes, and they're all over the board, right? They're from different parts of uh, the sport, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. There's no rhyme or reason to the time frame that these, you know, you, you see you see throwbacks from all types uh, of of NASCAR history, but the track is honing in on a specific time in NASCAR for some reason, like the early 90s, right?
6: Yeah, 90 to 94.
0: Okay, so it's a deck. It's four years. Mm-hmm. Why? I
1: don't know. Oh wait, you're saying the theme of this year's throwback yeah. weekend is the early yeah. '90s. That's what you're saying. What okay. was last gotcha. year?
2: Do you need a theme? Was yeah. last year? No. They have
1: a theme every year.
2: I know. Why? Why? but do you need it? What was last year's? '80s. Er, late '80s. I thought it was late '80s.
6: Are they going like? Are they farther? going in I think chunks?
1: They're
2: going in chunks, which why. I don't know because some guys aren't thrown back to the 90s this year it so it kind of doesn't make sense.
1: I don't think it actually influences what people do in their no. paint schemes but it's they're not- trying to encourage people to do it, I guess. Oh, I, I, right. you're you're, uh, you're looking for a reason and we don't know, all right? I mean, is that right? Cuz you're like I what's lo- the point of it, right? Yeah. So
0: I lo- eventually we're going to get to where like at some point it's not, you know, they're yeah, we're going early 90s. I guess next year will be the back half of the 90s from 95 to 2000. I don't know if they'll continue going forward, but eventually we've got to stop because we're going <laughs> to not be a throwback. throwback last week. <laughs> <laughs> and then what happens? I mean, we'll, we're, it, it, what needs to be done here is Darlington needs to stop saying a specific time frame, like early 90s. They need to stop and just say throwback. It's just
1: yep. a throwback weekend.
0: Wholeheartedly right, agree. No, no wait a, a second. Make that make
1: that what you want. Okay. Yeah, can can I just throw one little thing and sure. play devil's advocate? Absolutely. We need that. Darlington May be doing other throwback things that weekend that don't just apply to paint schemes. Now, I don't know that to be sure. I'm just throwing There's something be out there. But but, but I'm saying reason. is it remember last year you went and uh didn't you do this like a and a with Richard and, Yes. Yeah, and I think that was themed around the late 80s. I believe, and so maybe it's something to do with their programs or their act track activities. Maybe show cars, maybe stuff like that. I'm, I'm just saying that it may be extend beyond just paint schemes. That's my only thing. Here, my
0: fear is that um, the throwback weekend to me belongs to Darlington. It should be at Darlington. It should last forever. This should be the one week that we take time to to remember and and think about the you know the history and the legends. This should be what we do every year at this race. And I believe they should just quit with the particulars of, well, th- th- we're throwing it back to 1990 to 1994. And just say, you know what? It's just a throwback weekend. Make of it what you want.
3: I
5: got you.
0: And enjoy it however you like, which people do. And I know na- I know the track's not pressuring people to, to That's right. enjoy it a certain way. Um, but that little part right there just gets under my skin a little bit. I don't know why. It's it's probably one of them things. Like Matthew Dillner has those little particular things that get under his
1: skin, <laughs> right? No. like when somebody doesn't go re-sign up for fantasy football, <laughs> and that just irritates him. Yeah, because <laughs> tradition. Yeah, it's
0: tradition. Eventually, though, they're going to have to just go. You know what? Let's reset that. Yep. Reset the deck and start over.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends on what exactly they're trying to achieve on yeah. that, and, I, and we don't know the answer to that. But my question is, are they going to do that? You know what I love about Throwback Weekend is when they do the old broadcasters in the booth for a few. I lives. do, too,
0: but I just feel like when they do this, it muddies the waters and
1: makes it too confusing.
0: It just why? What's the point of the going? What's the point of singling out those four years or five years there?
1: Yeah,
0: it kind of muddies the water a little bit. Just it's the Throwback Weekend. Just leave it wide open for anybody's interpretation and and. And well, call it a day. Yeah,
1: all right. That'd be that. What? Well,
0: that was my own little piece of. That's hey, the only I thing I had to complain about today.
1: Well, that's hey. listen. Besides I, the fact I, that my neck is killing me, we, we love is your neck killing? Yes. Me? What's wrong? I got something.
0: So you know how you get those little knots on top of your shoulder blade?
1: Mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll do. Yes,
0: I, I got did. one on the left mm. that's been there for freaking weeks. Like a, like a
1: kink in your neck. Yeah. And it oh, hurts man. so freaking bad. Mm-hmm. Need a back rub. Matthew, come over here.
0: Stop. So <laughs> get a tennis ball. It's unrelated it out, to it it it's unrelated to the plane crash in my lower back and all. It has I had this before that and it won't go away. Like every morning I wake up hoping it's gone, but damn. I mean, getting out of bed it hurts so freaking bad. Man. Yeah.
2: Just go to Cairo and get a massage, man.
0: Well, the when I had my doctor told me not to go to Cairo yet.
2: Uh. Oh, because yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, but your doctor. I got you. Yeah, I got you.
0: Anyhow,
2: by the by the way, um, I know this is unrelated, but uh, the um, I wish they'd bring Hobbs, in David Hobbs. Yeah, I'd
1: love
0: to see Hobbs back in the
2: booth.
1: Yeah, yeah, only if he's in the '90s, <laughs> only early '90s, I would love David Hobbs, 1987 to
0: 1989 <laughs> <laughs> only. <laughs> only 87 to 89
1: hops that sounded a lot like 82 david just uh change that for us change that little t- tempo is not right <laughs>
3: yeah
1: <laughs> we saw if we're still talking about this real quick uh, i saw you had uh do you want to talk about who you had in the uh, shop just a little while ago
3: yeah
0: so we had norman agree. he came by he's going on vacation my um i got it in my hand here uh, my throwback car for Darlington is a car that my dad drove in 1975 in his first cup race at Charlotte. They, um, dad borrowed the car from Ed Negri. Um, it was a Dodge. Ed's son, Norman, was around dad's age. And dad and Norman took the car to the racetrack. Ed basically said, here, y'all can borrow the car. Go have fun. And so dad and Norman went to the racetrack. And, and they... You know, they were good friends, and and, uh, Norman has a lot of great stories about Dad, but Norman's going on vacation. He ain't going to have a chance to go to the race this weekend, so he came by the shop to get a picture on his cell phone with me and him in the race car. That's cool. Um, So that was really neat to have Norman in here. Ed Negree was his father, and Ed drove that number eight in the 70s uh, for NASCAR in the Cup Series. Very cool.
1: It's a good story. All right, guys, before we get to our guests, let's talk a little bit about Valvoline.
0: Yeah, Mike, Valvoline is a great partner on this podcast. They've been for many years in my racing career. They're even a partner here uh, for our race teams at Junior Motorsports. Right. Yeah. We're coming up on Darlington Race Weekend, which makes me think back to when they were our main sponsor on the 88 car in 2015. We ran an awesome Valvoline throwback paint scheme um, honoring uh, some different... You know, depending on who you who you like, uh, the car could be referenced to Ron Bouchard's mm. uh, Valvoline car or Kel Yarborough's Valvoline car, but... Those two very similar, but throwing it back a little bit to the early '80s, they got amazing history yeah. in motorsports and involved with some of the greatest names in racing. Unser, uh, Foyt, uh, Mark Martin. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, they've been a mainstay in the timeline of motorsports history. Buddy, a lot of drivers are sponsored by Motorols, but Valvoline to me is a little bit different. And that's because they're a true partner and always hands-on. That's the most important part. They're hands-on and helping us make our engines perform better. And you want to know how they do that? Well, uh, when I was working at Hintner Motorsports, they would send teams of people over to the shop to work with the engine guys directly, mixing oils together to create different various weights and so forth, determining, you know, whatever we needed for short tracks, road courses, especially restrictor plate, qualifying motor oils, whatever. Over the years, they've been able to develop the, the motor oil that would give us the power we needed, depending on the track, um, it's helped a, helped us perform and, and and be great. That's why Valvoline is the only motor oil that I trust in my engines, and it's why that you should trust them in your engines too. From high mileage rides that need that thick anti wear film to newer engines that have carbon buildup, head over to Valvoline.com/Dale to find the product spec for your engine. That's Valvoline.com/Dale. I'm Daleon Hart Jr. Do Time Off is a campaign by Mountain Dew. They want to empower people to do what they love and they help remove those barriers that get in the way of their passion. Do the do. In partnership with Mountain Dew, I'm going to give some of my employees DTO. That's Do Time Off and $1,000 to pursue their passions. Stay tuned and do the do. Come on in, buddy. Man, Have he a came seat. Came in like driver intros. there, waving. <laughs> Evo, come yeah. on in. Uh, All right, so he's in the show. He's in the house, Matthew well, De Benedetto. Say your last name.
4: De Benedetto. De Benedetto. Yep.
0: Am I saying it right? Yeah, you got it. You got Have it I perfect. said it wrong? No. I get accused of saying it wrong. Sometimes really? I will heavy. I go heavy on the T's at the end. De Benedetto. Yes. Uh,
4: I don't. I've never noticed. Yeah, it's always been good to me. <laughs> All right.
0: I've always wondered: is there a preference for the man himself?
4: No. The only uh, criticism I've I've heard from I can't remember who's who would say they would say D Benedetto. I really. do that too I sometimes. Do that. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't do that. I don't know. I don't really care. You don't care? <laughs> no. <Nah. laughs> I bet but, you've
1: heard people butcher it though,
4: haven't you? Oh yeah. See, that's a good thing with uh, telemarketers when they call. They'd oh. Like, <laughs> uh, can I speak with Matt? Di Benito? <laughs> nope. <laughs> sure can't. Never heard of him.
0: And so you call you got on the roof of your car Guido. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. And so when I think of Guido, I think of Jersey Shore and Polly D. Uh, oh yeah. Is that sort of what's what? Where are Guidos from?
4: Uh. Well, until that freaking show, it was uh. <laughs> they they kind of ruined it a little bit. But that was my grandfather's first name. Was, oh, was Guido. So my my father and his whole side of the family is full Italian. So right. Guido is a pretty common Italian name. Right. It's normal. It's like, hey, Guido, what are you doing? Okay. And So that's I'm Matthew Guido De Benedetto. My father's Anthony Guido. So de your Benedetto.
0: name is really Guido.
4: Yeah, that's yeah, that's middle my name. true what the hell? name. All right,
0: I did not know that. I'm oh sure yeah. Why
4: you're on the show? We're learning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so name I name thought head. it was a
0: slang <laughs> term
4: no uh-uh no we're learning all kinds of good stuff wow. today yeah right. so it's my true middle well, I'm name definitely so that's why going
0: I've... to be more comfortable calling you that <laughs> yeah i know uh, well, jeff burton's like man call him guido just call him guido i'm like no i'm not saying that on yeah. national tv
4: yeah <laughs> <Right>. i know, <laughs> right. that's why i had to like explain i made a video about it like guys th- i promise this is my real middle name it's okay to Call me. That <laughs> that that's People awesome. are like, oh okay that is cool <laughs>
0: So the reason I brought you on this show is to talk about you being a Filter Time customer.
4: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's been been yes. good. <laughs> Blake said it would give me a good run at Bristol. Yeah, it was, it was it second. Out. It, yeah, it was pretty good. I, did, I just
0: real Blake texted me or Blake tweeted that on uh, Twitter. He's like, "Awesome, Filter Time customer." Right. Blake is a co-owner of Filter Time, a business we started, um, and you and him are great friends. Yep. Um, actually, man, we got a lot to talk about. Obviously. Uh, you got a lot going on, Uh, a lot of ups and downs. Good things happening to you, but there's a lot of things, too, that have been hard to swallow. Um, We're going to go all the way back, all right? You started out racing, I think the first time anybody ever really kind of noticed you was when you got the opportunity to race at Joe Gibbs Racing. You were racing a K&N series, am I right? Yep. Did you race their late model at all? No. Okay, so you went right in their K&N car. What had you been running before that?
4: Uh, late models, um, some limited late models, Hickory Motor Speedway, and then late models, Summit Hickory, but then traveling around in the uh, UARA Stars Tour Series yeah. back then. Um, did, did some of that. Then that's when we quit as a family and sold all our stuff in 2007. Um, just got too expensive for us, sold everything. And then um, a team out of Asheville, uh, West Racing, that um, Mark Setzer used to, yep. to drive for a little bit. They had way better equipment than what we had. And they were like, hey, we'll run Matt in some big races. And then uh, I was like, man, their stuff's way nicer. And they can buy new tires and everything. This is awesome. And we went and then we're uh, winning all races right off the bat.
0: So you had some great success in that. And that's what got you the attention from Joe Gibbs Racing.
4: Yeah, so we we beat... The JGR Limited Late Model team at Hickory for the championship, and um, they could see we were kind of you know doing it a little underfunded stuff. So the word sort of got around. It's a long story of how it um, how it happened, but that was that was part of it. And they're like, "Oh, this is cool," and got to know them, become friends with them. And then uh, and Steve DeSouza from JGR was at the track one time and saw us, you know, out there. Win and so a lot of these little things kind of got pieced together where we built a relationship.
0: And you got into JGR car and the and car. You had pretty decent success in that. How come that relationship didn't didn't pan out? What happened there?
4: Yeah, so I got to a limited schedule of races in the K and N series, and we, uh you know, I ran like what six races or something. We won. I think we won two of them. Um, led the most laps for the season, even though we only ran less than half. So it was a lot of success right off the bat. And, uh, but I was really new and had no experience. Then the next season, uh, got to run six Xfinity races and it was just, um, li- really limited funding. And, you know, back in that, uh, 2009, 2010 range was a tough time. Um, e- economically,
1: yep. or, yeah, yeah, economies. economically,
4: very tough time. So it just, uh, they tried still to piece together something for me to be able yep. to run, run some races and I'll be honest, I wasn't mentally ready. Um, so this at is all. in
0: the K N or the Xfinity series. You feel like you weren't quite ready for that just yet.
4: Yeah, I just just mentally wasn't prepared. I was fresh off of like part time late models, part time yeah. few K&N races, and then Xfinity. And and you know how much the mental game is. I think I was just too um, overwhelmed by it all, and and felt a lot of pressure, and didn't do a real good job and things just didn't work out we broke in a couple races i'm like what in the world did i do wrong right. in life for this to be going so south and so i only ran just a few races within the car once every couple of months it was just a, they were doing the best they could for me financially you know that was just i got to run a few races but that was all uh, all we could do and that was all that was it
0: yeah so the joe gibbs racing opportunity you're thinking man this is the best opportunity of opportunities and it's and it's gone what's next
4: yeah, I uh, I thought, I guess I guess I'm done this dream this journey. That's it. And I I sat doing almost nothing for for a little bit, and then um, that's when some uh, my friends Adrian and uh, Tanner and Tina Berryhill were starting up their Xfinity team for their son Tanner um, a little bit, and they wanted to start and park a car too, just trying to do what they could as a family, make it work, get to the racetrack. So they asked me to to do that, and that kind of brought me back in to racing was starting parking their number 37 xfinity car and making the races qualifying it in and some tough pressure situations and and things and uh, that's what led to getting me back in and and doing these basically starting park things i know it's kind of that's been a sensitive thing to say or talk about i think it's open now
0: this is a great opportunity for you to explain why were they doing the starting park they did this as a purpose to be able to afford and fund their program entirely so help people understand like what is what was the purpose of that starting part
4: yeah so they you know we're just a family team and trying to live out you know help tanner their son which was one of my best friends live out his dream and uh try and get to race as well and and so them going to the racetrack putting me in they knew like okay you have some experience you can go try and get it done and qualify the car and that's all my job was limit very limited practice go out qualified in the race and that starting money would help pay for tires and such for them to try and race their primary car, um, just a handful of races, the close ones. I mean, it was a very tough deal. They were really stretching it, trying to make it work. So that's it, just qualified in and, and purse money.
0: Yeah, and so is that similar to what people are doing today with starting parks? And you see, I, I don't even know what teams will be doing that, but some somebody might have a starting park team, but that's supplementing some of the income on the other car that's actually going to run and trying to compete. Yep. Yeah. yeah.
4: So it's uh, it's crazy the things that um you'll try deal. and do. I yeah. know it. Yep.
0: Um, all right. So what what part of your career you think was the low point for you, where you were just? I mean, was, was the? I imagine probably when the when the JGR deal dried up, that had to be pretty difficult. But what part of your career were you, were you like least motivated to get out of bed in the morning?
4: Oh man, <laughs> yesterday was one of them. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> um, there, there's been so many. I, 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 but that's the, that's the, in the grand scheme of things, the good thing. It makes me appreciate it. It's made me work extra hard and pick myself up. It made me mentally stronger every single time. But I'd say, um, if I'm ha- having to pick out ones, was probably <clears throat> after the JGR thing went south. I was like, wow, I wasn't ready. That's this is that's it. I had one shot. I'm done. Um, so that was a tough one. And when I was kind of sitting out doing nothing, I, I'm like, I have no skill sets. Nothing. I'm not good at anything else. I don't like anything else. What what am I going to do with my life? Um, So that was just miserable on me and and my family. And then uh, picking out others. I'd say I got that opportunity at BK Racing and that was good. And then um, got to go to Go Fast Racing and that was neat. And then um, when I took the gamble and bet on myself last year and really wasn't sure if it was going to work out, I'm like, did I work my whole life to get this far and keep progressing and then just to be done. And, and it's all over at this yeah. point. And I was, I was a really hard person to be around and it. <laughs> it's a testament to my wife keeping me you know mentally going.
0: You mentioned your wife. So how helpful has she been in, in helping you in those times? I mean that, you know, I always say there's a, behind every good man, there's a better woman or a great <laughs> woman. Um, and I know that you, you should, you know, you share her with, the public a lot in some of your social media and, you know, and let us into your life a little bit and what you're doing. Um, so how important has she been in that journey?
4: Oh, I, I wouldn't be mentally put together without her. It's, a, she is a hundred percent my, my other half. So I'm a, I'm a tough, I feel like I put on a good, um, a good front, uh, as far as like keeping very composed and people thinking I'm composed all the time. And I am, I'm a strong, really strong person. This journey has made me tough, but, um, I don't, I think I, I put on a real good front that people don't understand what goes on in my, I'll give you an example of yesterday, uh, even, but, um, Taylor, how much she helps me to stay put together. I, uh, I wouldn't get out of bed yesterday. I was so angry at myself over the road America, uh, race this weekend and frustrated that we threw away, a. Uh, you don't want to say an easy win, but by far Potential the fastest win, car. Sure, yeah. yeah, it was like we were leading that thing. And um, we had the, the windshield wiper sticking straight out, so I could feel that was hurting downforce quite a bit in things. But And we had a left front tire issue because I locked it up, and I, I was just riding at like 30%. And I'm like, we're still leading the race. This thing is fast. Holy cow, we slapped some tires on, fix that. I'm going to driving 60% and we'll still win. You he was like, that's amazing how fast this car is. And then when the pit stop happened and we lost a lot of track position and then made two mistakes, one on the white flag, obviously, but um, coming through the field and still threw away what was my job to try and play catch-up and get back to the front. I, I couldn't even – I wouldn't get out of bed yesterday. I was so angry at myself, which is the worst. You know, as a driver, when you feel like you sure. let people down, there's nothing uh, worse than that. But um, she – did nothing but pick me up, make me breakfast, but how, just try she and cheer pick me up. You up?
1: I mean, what, what What is required to build you back up after something like that that happened yesterday?
4: Uh, just reminding me of like, hey, don't forget just a week ago, you almost won the Bristol Night race, one of the yeah. toughest races. Like that's no fluke. And hey, just remember that, you know, you've uh, I, I don't think of these things. I just think of how I can be the best um, for my team. And, and I'm a I like to be perfect and I don't <clears throat> I don't want to let anybody down. She's. Reminding me of all those things. She reminded me of, you know, hey, uh, just remember what you and that 95 team have built this year. Remember all these top fives and top tens you guys have been clicking off. That's not a fluke. Everybody's human. You make mistakes, you know, and I, I, and that, it helped me, but I was still pretty hard on myself. Yes.
1: What happened? (laughs)
4: Uh, Yeah. So, (laughs) well, basically, what happened in the last corner? Yeah. So, two things happened. I'll sum it up The, the pit stop. Um, had a hang up on the right rear and we lost a lot of position and And I should have been more mentally I didn't say anything I, I just to myself was like so angry and I feel like I didn't do a good job staying composed uh, to myself and I, I tried too hard um, so I missed a breaking zone once and went through the dirt and I was like am I stupid like I never do this my number one rule on road courses don't go off track don't blow a corner all day if I do that you, you run well and I didn't stay composed. I did that. And I'm like, Matt, you moron. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and then uh, so then we still managed to come back and drive to second. And I was so mad because we we're flying. I get to second and I'm in bells right there in front of me. I'm like, oh, all right, well, you know, blew this one. And then go in the last corner. I'm like, whatever. We're second. Just finished second. This is, uh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I go in there, in the 22, Austin Sendrick was on fresh tires, flying through the field because that place has turned into, like, homestead. (laughs) It's so worn out. And uh, I'm going in the last turn. I'm like, oh, okay, he's behind me. Just make sure I don't crash in this last corner. You see how that turned out. I'm like, just watch my mirror. Make sure if he's going to dive it off in there. Because he was close. If he's going to dive in there under me, I don't want to chop across his nose and spin out in the last corner. So I just peek up in my mirror. I'm like, okay. I didn't drive in there hard. Just drove in there too high, got in the marbles, and just spun by, looking, like, okay, I don't want to crash. And by n- intending to not crash and not do something stupid, I did the dumbest thing I've ever done in my whole career. Like, ever.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but everybody's done something dumb. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it's just a part of it. It's growing. It's gonna make you better. It for sure. It's, it's a,
0: things because it was just a few days ago.
1: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It does. It yeah. does. I will. You know. I, you got any stories for me of things sure. that embarrassed you oh, before? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, the one thing that I would say is that you know when one when I would do something bad or something bad happens to me or I made a mistake or whatever, anytime even if it's not your fault, is to think about. Think of something that you did five years ago, ten years ago that was awful that that where you wouldn't want to get out of bed the next day and how you're over that how you're how you're past that how that's not affecting you today how that's not how that's not controlling the decisions you're making or what you're doing or where you are or who you're with and think that this same thing will be a distant memory and it won't yep. be affecting your day five years from now it won't be affecting what job you have it won't be affecting people you're around. And just try to remember that. Like, it's going to suck today. It's going <laughs> to suck for a few more days. But uh, in in weeks or months from now, it won't be the most important thing. You know, it won't be the one thing that's really – there'll be something else Yep. driving you crazy. Yep. You know?
4: <laughs> oh, true. <laughs> um,
0: you were talking about how uh, you bet on yourself, you know, took a risk getting out of 32. And I wanted to get you to explain that to us because I just have, you know – we hit, we basically have the the general idea that you're driving this 32 car for GoFast. You'd been doing that for a while. You'd been working hard, and the perception was that you were making uh, you and other people as well. I'm sure you'd credit a lot of people on that team for for y'all's progression. But you were improving that team from where it had been once you got in it, right? And that's been kind of your mo, uh, much like a Kurt Busch or other guys. Every you know, everywhere they go. Things get better, and it's a combination of them and their ability to communicate and the people that they surround themselves with. So you're doing that with this 32 car, and maybe you got to a point to where you're thinking, you know what, uh, my time's running out, I'm getting older, I think I've done everything I could do here, I don't want to keep doing this, I'm plateauing, whatever, and you decided to quit that job, right? The idea and the perception is that you quit the job without any up, op- any other job, right? Yep. So there was no phone call to ninety five or nobody calling you. You just got. You said, "I'm quitting this job." Yep. And there was no job opportunity lined Zero. up. Zero.
4: How? And
0: why, in the why? Hell would, <laughs> why in the world
3: would you do that?
4: Yep. So this is the, uh, one of those other mental battles and struggles where I, I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't eat for like weeks hardly. I was so stressed trying to figure out what do I do? Cause I, I got to a point where, like you said, uh, all the organizations I'd been lucky enough to go to and surround myself with the right people. Cause you're only, you're only as good as people you got around you. Um, I'd gone to and, improve that'd be my job and goal build the right people and let's improve this organization so i went to go fast you know bk we did it go to go fast and took them from where they were you know running respectfully they and they wanted to get better they knew they were running in the very back and they're like we want to get better the so very back yeah yeah like yeah they were very back. Str- struggling and we went in there and saw there's just a lot of things that need improving on their team and people and so we kind of I had a good group surrounding me and we kind of went in there and tried to f- help it and fix it. So we did that and I did that in 2017 and major improvements. And, um, then 2018, you know, do it again. And you know, what we get? We got some top tens and a bunch of top twenties and just running real good for the, for the equipment and the budget. But then it got to the point where I was like, man, what, what would I do next year? Like, you know, they're, they're a small team they're, and they're going, they're not going to spend more money. It'd be millions to even, you know, get to the next level. And for me as a driver, I'm like, I have nothing else to prove or do here. I, I feel like I'm maxed out. If And I felt like I knew, especially from talks I was having with people and Ford at the time and, and folks trying to push like, Hey, I want to get a better opportunity. I want to, you know, drive and try and improve a bigger organization. I was getting like, Oh man, you're, you're doing good. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, all of a sudden I'm like, this is what my, this is what my past is going to turn out to be forever. Mm. And this isn't what I worked since I was a little kid to do. I, I came here to win. And so that's when it finally became clear to me of like, I can't do the same thing over and over and, and expect a different result. I was lucky to do it for those two years, but I feel like I tapped out and that's where I was like, all right, well, either my career is going to go this path and fizzle out and I'm going to be done. Or I'm going to take the biggest camel of my life and make sure my wife's okay with it. Cause she's. You know, in this What'd journey you say? too.
0: What'd she say when you came to her and said, "I'm going to opt out of this opportunity and hope for something else"?
4: She was 100 percent on board. She, what if
0: you didn't get another opportunity? What were you going to uh, do?
4: So the the way that I coped with this is finally one day I swear to you, I woke up one morning. I'm battling this in my head and like, how am I going to live? I mean, I don't. I'm not financially set. None of this stuff. Um, how am I going to live if this doesn't work out and whatever? And then finally one day I woke up and was like, you know what? Shoot, we've been through so much trying to dig and, and you know, get to where I am. And I my whole dream is to win in the Cup Series. That. I, I can live with myself if it blows up in my face and everything fails. I can live with myself knowing I went all in and gave every bit of my heart. And I can't live with myself. I won't ever be able to live with myself if I know that I took any sort of a safe route um, to collect a paycheck and keep on digging and I took that path, I would much rather have known I laid it all out on the line and it blew up on my face, but at least know and not question the rest of my life, man, what if I did do this? Maybe I could be out there winning and that would eat me alive more.
0: Sure. Well, you said you didn't have any skill sets. Did you have in your <laughs> mind like a B, a B plan or a C plan on... Man, I'm gonna get this job, or I'm gonna try to do this. You were, were you gonna be a
1: physical trainer? What are you gonna do, <laughs>
4: dude? I've battled that. And you didn't have, about you didn't even think for, about it. But,
1: but, but I had, those thoughts had to lead to a possibility of something. Like even if you didn't have skill sets, what were you gonna pursue? You would have to do something, right?
4: Yeah, man. I have so many limited things. Motivational that I speaker, enjoy <laughs> <enlightening>. financial advisor. <laughs> <laughs> man, I I think about that all the time because you'd be you wouldn't be human if you didn't think about what right, am I gonna sure. do? You have to. Um, but I would think about it and never really come up with any good conclusions other than maybe like, ah, oh, man, I like physical fitness and right. stuff and I've helped a lot of people. I enjoy helping people with that. Um, so maybe, but it, it's just, although I love it, it's not my, what I live, eat, sleep, and breathe. You have you to know? be
0: pretty hardcore into it to tr- to do what you've done <laughs> as far as transitioning yourself physically into in a much more healthier person. Um, I, I, I care about my my health, but I'm not out there blowing, yeah, blowing up right. like Matt D. Benedetto. <laughs> yeah, he's swole. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, I so. try.
2: All right, let's take a break from uh, our beloved meathead here, Matt D. Benedetto, uh, and have Dale. Dale, let's uh, tell us about some high-quality meat here.
0: All right, let's tell you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox makes it easy to get high-quality, humanely raised antibiotic and hormone-free meat that you can trust. Every month, ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, and wild Alaskan salmon. Hey, good job. Hey, my wife will be proud I didn't say salmon.
1: I can't believe you didn't.
0: They send that directly to your door. Shipping is free by taking out the middleman and purchasing directly from a collective of ranches. ButcherBox is able to buy meat at a lower cost and pass those savings right on to you. How does it work? Choose from four curated boxes. You can choose or customize what you get. Each box comes with 9 to 11 pounds of meat. Mm. Then it shows up at your door. The pork. The pork is awesome. You liked it. Yeah. yeah, Heritage breed isn't just a fancy name. All right, This is old world pork, the kind before they bred out all the fat and flavor to make it the other white meat mm. so this is uh, it's got the flavor in it alright it's so easy to order on their site it shows up in dry ice which saves us a trip to the grocery store the meat is great quality and delicious there's so much of it that's probably what the, the takeaway for me is is when you open this box it's just meat coming out of that box <laughs> filling up that old freezer and you barely have room in the freezer all right. So when you, when you, the one, I think the one thing you got to remember is when you order this, you better have some room in the freezer because it's going to take <laughs> up some room. <laughs> My whole family enjoys when we get butcher box delivery because then we have to reorganize the freezer. Um,
1: Be good of them just to send I'm another serious. freezer.
0: Well, <laughs> the thing is, you know, every if you look in everybody's fridge, refrigerator, or freezer, we've pretty much taken up all the room, right? Yeah. So beware. When you get your butcher box, you better have some room in the freezer. Money. Nine to 11 pounds, we're talking about. New subscribers will receive ground beef for life. I don't know if uh, you heard that correctly. <laughs> New subscribers
1: will receive ground beef, Mike. For life! To, to clarify, is this that old world pork or is this the new world pork? I just it's the beef. This <laughs> <is> the beef. <laughs> it's the beef. <laughs> the beef. Oh, I gotcha. I for gotcha. the rest
0: of your life.
1: For your life. You're going to need a bigger freezer than what you thought.
0: <laughs> I just don't understand why this isn't
1: re- resonating with you. Is it resonating with you? Yes. So did you... Some, I can't even believe the words that are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you ain't going to be a vegetarian, are you?
0: I just don't understand how they're able to do that. For life, you're going to get ground beef. Is that possible? How do they make any money? That's right. Sign up today and ButcherBox will send you two pounds of 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, beef, free, in every box, as long as you're a subscriber. For the life of your subscription, you're going to get free food. Where are they going to get that grass? Plus, (laughs) listeners will get an additional $20 off their first box. They're just giving all this away. It's a limited-time offer, so hurry up. For two pounds of 100% grass-fed beef, free in every box for the life of your subscription plus $20 off your first box. Go to butcherbox.com slash Dale jr. Or enter promo code Dale jr. At the checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash Dale jr. Or enter promo code Dale jr. At checkout. Hi, right, let's get back to the interview. <laughs> so the 95 car opportunity comes along. You the rumor is you were not the first option for that team. They were looking at a, another driver. How did all that work out? How did you end up with that chance?
1: And how long did you go
4: uh, everything he said plus what was the time frame from you not knowing to to knowing? Oh, I have to think back. It felt like an eternity. Uh, I'll tell you that just cuz it was a miserable probably like uh at least a Are you month calling and a half?
0: teams Are you are you ringing up the phone going, "Hey yeah. man, I'm on a, I can make your team better. I'd love this opportunity." Anything there? You're you're handing out your resume
4: yep so to speak yep absolutely did you call them uh oh yeah i'd known bob levine and his wife sharon i'd built a good relationship with them and became actually friends with them but i would bug them all the time every year i'd bug them like hey you want me to come in there but then they you know they got casey in there and, Mm and driving and so um i still i didn't know you know nobody knew at that time if Casey's, uh, Casey's back, right. retiring and, and all that and I knew actually when I pursued them I so I said all right I'm, I'm leaving my deal all right time to network and, and keep pushing so I talked to them and that was at the time when they were trying to get um, Casey a two-year extension that yep. was the talks they were having and I'm like well crap <laughs> I guess that's probably not going to be an option for me and um, so I was pursuing everything else talking with folks and I got one um, that I'm not bitter about I hope this Sounds okay, but this was a good thing. Um, I got, I was talking to somebody, a, a manufacturer, and got told I was too much of a gamble and like stuff that really lit an extra fire under wow. me that I I, I needed, um, and and was like, you know what, what? I'm gonna prove them wrong and, and make them eat those words respectfully. They're sure. great people. Um, so that helped, but yeah, I had nothing, no no clue, and just so working and getting a lot of no's. So they called you, eventually and eventually said, hey man, uh, they. Like when I happened? was pushing and and calling them. It's when Casey yeah. retired. Bob laughs. He's like, "Who was the first person to walk straight up to me at the racetrack that weekend?" And it was me. I go right up to him. It's like, "You need me driving for you, Bob." Like, "I'll I will come in and I will we will build this and we'll help." You know, you've put a lot into this sport. You've spent a lot of your own money. Like, you know, let's let's build this and improve this team and program and. All this and um, yeah, I wasn't first. Uh, I wasn't first option. Um, they had uh, they were talking with Daniel Hemrick, um, and that was I think an oh, option yeah. for him to go there. And and it was I think almost done. And really? I'm like oh, and I was pushing so hard, blowing them up every day, all of them on the team, every person I could, you know, really Jeremy Lang, the general manager, Michael yeah. Levine, competition director, Bob. I mean anything emails texts phone calls all of it meeting with him i met with jeremy um and he was nice enough to finally i bugged him enough to sit sit down with me i was like just let me you know go to lunch with you what's um, your sp- what's your what's your spiel you're uh, going to lunch with uh well, yeah what's your pitch yeah what's your pitch uh it was you know, a history of going through every organization that I've been with and like explaining how much I live for this stuff. I'm like, when you, if you take me on, you have a driver that lives this stuff 24 seven, that will reflect on your entire team and organization. I will make my whole team bleed for this as well. And that's what creates a team where you go out there and you kick some ass and you make the most out of what you have. And, um, and then giving examples of each organization I've been to, I was like, I haven't had the opportunity. I've been lucky to have those opportunities, and it's taught me everything I know. Being in you know subpar equipment and uh, with family teams, and it's been great. But I need that opportunity. To let me go and show, and let's do the same thing at a higher level. And and I pushed and bled, and I still felt like it was not going to be enough. I was like, man, I'm not going to get this deal. I, yeah. I don't. And there was no other opportunities I'd gotten basically knows everywhere else. And I was like, man, is this going to be it? Had they said
1: something to you that made you think that you were a, a really good candidate for that? I mean, like, or, or did you feel like you were going to get let down uh, or were they completely honest with you about this? Because it sounds to me like, I mean, it was it was pretty clear that they had other options that they were pursuing and people had been honest with you. Are they, are they
4: giving you a false read on this? Oh, Actually, I'm glad you said that. So... During this process, I'm talking with them. I knew they had other options, like uh, with Hemrick. And um, then Bob called me because Bob's a straightforward, super honest guy. And right, res- very And this is something that I respected, and you can you can respect, you guys can respect too, is I- I'd rather get told no and give an honest answer than, than nothing yeah. or blown off. 100%. Bob called me, and he told me, hey, man. Uh, we I think we got this other option uh, done, so we appreciate you reaching out and, God, and your enthusiasm. Dang. But um, you know, good luck. And I was like devastated. Sure, and another one of those times where I believed, relied 100 percent on my wife Taylor to keep me just going mentally. I was I was burnt out yeah. and, and about done, and um, I, I couldn't even. I was at the racetrack and I felt bad because I was mopey and and miserable. And I'm like doing everything I could to be. I'm always want to be very nice to fans. Um, I, I just had nothing. I was like a zombie walking around and I'd sign and be like, man, thank you. But I just, and even Taylor could tell like, man, you've got to pick yourself up. And I kept trying, kept pushing, but I just was not myself at all. And then about two weeks later, two, three weeks later, I got a call uh, back from Bob and said, Hey, that thing fell through. Um, he's going to RCR. And I was like, can you come in the shop? And I was like, oh, okay. And, and so desperate. Couldn't and I was be like, there fast enough. He's like, when could you be there? I was like, I'll be there in an hour. <laughs> you just tell me. <laughs> That's freaking awesome.
1: That is yep. good. <laughs> All right. So, and then what was the deal then? What, 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 tell us the deal that, and, and sort of give us the context of what your expectations were from that point on. Because this is stuff that we've had conversation now, and we're getting into like the things and the, the people that debate one. What was the expectation when you then got
4: that ride? Um, well, I had to go in there basically for a. Uh, it real, I don't know. Interview, I is the way that I looked at it. But I knew I was meeting with uh, Bob, Jeremy, and Michael Levine. Um, so I went in there, and I, I and I knew that I think I knew and picked up they were still looking at another option. I still sure, wasn't yeah. like oh, this is it. I think Ross may have been on the list. Ross Chastain, mm, um, per my understanding, and I think there's still other options. So yeah. I'm like, I don't have, I it yet. Like, so I went in and I dressed like real nice and but you know nice pants shoes shirt tucked in full deal like I'm like okay I'm going like I'm going to a job interview sure. and I went in and, and afterwards they told me that that just little thing like that something like that impressed them they're like hey you don't need to you don't need to dress up as casual I was like no dude I'm interviewing I want to drive for you guys like I'm trying I I will come in here and I was very um confident in my i'll call it interview when i went in there i was like just extremely confident and that really meant a lot to him and that's what got me I think the opportunity because there were still other options and i was like let me drive for you guys i promise you it'll be the best decision you make i'll come in here i'm gonna help gonna build and improve this organization i don't care what you guys need if it's two in the morning during the race season whatever i, I don't care i will do it i live for this stuff you're not gonna have anyone more dedicated than me and i was very very confident in my uh <laughs> interview and and desperate too desperate yeah. 100% and it, and it worked out
0: Did you think it was a uh one year deal Uh yeah I, I kind of So when y'all sat down and talked about it Bob's y'all did y'all even talk about length of the contract or
4: Uh <laughs> that was funny too cuz it was that was real quick um it was a yeah one, I knew it was a one year deal with really? a second year option Okay and his like, option uh, yes, yeah. their option. So, and I'm like, i you know, this right. is, I'm, used this. Sure, I'm used yeah. to these right. types of deals. This right. is normal for me. I'm like, all right, go out there, prove myself. That's, that's what I do every year. And, um, I knew the situation. Uh, I could, I knew all, uh, Toyota was pretty full on drivers too. Right. So I knew what I was getting into.
0: Okay. So even at the start of this year, you knew what potentially is happening now was a potentially, uh, a potential outcome. You known this all year long.
4: Yeah. Okay. I, I, I did – I think I was in partly lying to myself a little bit, like if I'm going to go out there and prove just performance um, will take care of it. No way, yeah. Yeah, like if I go out there, we we compete for for wins like we did at Bristol, you know, get these top fives, top tens, like it'll take care of itself. And then (laughs) as it was going on, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, it's not taking care of itself. (laughs) We're running really well. Right. Uh, But I still might be in the same situation. My goodness. Yep.
0: So how would you find out? I mean, did you and Bob have a conversation – Obviously,
4: yeah, so my contract had a, a deadline which I was very appreciative for of August fifteenth of they had to give me an answer of if, if they're picking up the option or not um and they were you know working on whatever they're they're working on and and they knew pretty clearly like the thing I feared of more drivers than seats in the Toyota camp uh, came true and and Bob spent a lot of money you know of his own money, he's got to do what's gonna help keep his team going um and and be the best for for them as a business decision so Yep, they, uh, Bob called me again and said, uh, hey, and he's straightforward. He's as honest as they come. And told me, we're not going to be able to pick up your option. And he explained the reasons why. And you could tell in his voice it was really, really bothered him. Right. Um, so that's why I've tried to tell people on social media, yeah, like, Bob's hey, cut him a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey, if only people knew how much you could tell in his emotion. It wasn't like, hey, man, we're not going to be able to pick up your option. Sorry. It was, like, very heartfelt Of you could tell how awful – that he felt and at the same time how appreciative he was that we together if you know what you're doing. Have, have built this team and improved it yeah
0: who's going in the car do you know
4: i, I actually didn't ask <laughs> i think I, I would know. assume christopher I, I would that's my assumption I know. but it's there's still too. a couple pieces right. i guess that
0: i guess i wouldn't be surprised i guess if uh i'm not sure where jones and bell rank in the in the in the ladder over at Gibbs and whether, whether Jones goes in there or Bill goes in there. Yeah.
4: I I always go with uh, the less I know the better. So when I get asked, I I don't know. (laughs) All right. So how do you start the process all over again? What
0: is, what is, I think you were saying somewhere that you're not going to do what you did last year. You're not going to go and hammer away and knock on every door and bug the (laughs) out of people again. Uh, is that right, or, or, you, or are you still sort of mulling over your approach for
4: this off-season? I think I'm trying to find a happy, a medium. happy medium now um, because I've been lucky enough to have the the stuff and people. You have a resume equipment to, yeah. to do more of it on track, right. which is really nice. And you still right. got
0: the rest of the year. Yep. So you're hoping that you're going to get more runs that are going to prove to people that, man, I'm, I'm a great race car driver and good equipment. I can do what anybody else here can do. What are you like? Where do you see your opportunity? Everybody wants to see you succeed, right? And everybody loves your story. They love your drive, and they want as bad as this is for you to to not be able to continue what you're doing at the 95 team. As frustrating as that is, because it's progressing and there's more there, and there's more that you could do with that team to to continue to get better. Um, They want to see you keep trying right and yep. so i want to see you keep trying i do too all right so tell so tell me something that's going to give me hope <laughs> tell me something that tell like
1: be our taylor yeah. make us feel better
4: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man it's it's been uh another one of those tough situations um one thing i did i wanted to get my statement out there right away so i asked permission <clears throat> of the team um I think they would have preferred I waited a little bit, but I was getting hammered at the racetrack every weekend by every media member alive of, what are you doing? And I, I'm a real bad liar or I'm just open book with people. Yeah. And I was like, guys, I can't like, I'm going to get asked this weekend. Hey, you going to be with the 95. I can't be like, oh, I don't know. I mean, hell, they'll probably be able to just tell by my, yeah, my, no. uh, You're lack bad. of enthusiasm yeah. you know, or my, yeah, my, uh, emotion. Um, so they were like, okay, and I and I sent them my statement. I just wrote it. I, I got on my phone and uh, wrote the statement that I released. Um, what was that? Was that last? Or right before Bristol? Right before Bristol yeah. Weekend.
1: You had that big, long statement. Yeah. Um, yeah,
4: So I just wrote that on my phone right from the heart and was like, I want it to come for me, and boom, here it is. Sent it to them, and, and they let me uh, put that out. So I wanted to get that out and known right away, uh, and and I really emphasized in their winning. I, I don't know if you kind of right. picked up on that, that it was like, I'm here to win. I've worked my whole life to, to win in the Cup Series. And and every and basically, the, w- the one thing I look at for hope, like you're asking, that I bank on is every single time in my entire life, when we look at things that have devastated me, every time when a door is closed, a better one's open. And, and I hate to like bank on that, but I believe, I believe in fate, and I, I believe things happen for a reason. Um, and I'll continue to believe that, but every time – a door's closed and i've been through so many devastating times where i couldn't get out of bed and do those things or i put on a front and, and all that mess um it's always open to something better and i look back years later i'm like man i'm so glad that happened yeah i um, i'm hoping and feeling like this is another one of those
0: some doors though might not even look like better doors but they could be blessings
1: look yep. at martin truex look uh, at yeah. his situation i mean like yeah, yeah. i mean there's a b- bunch of drivers yes. that have unfair things happen to them in this sport because this sport ain't fair and they ended up better off. And I think that like, I feel like that's where your story's going. I really do. Um, And to answer Dale's question, I I don't, I think what Dale's trying to say is the same thing I would echo. And that is don't, don't lose that um, that emphatic selling of yourself now, because that's working for you, man. And we want to know, we want to see that Matt DiVenedetto out there that's believes in himself. And you do have the resume now. I mean, and I don't even know where it came. I don't like explain Bristol to us. <laughs> the, how, how did that happen? How well, did I, that,
0: think, how did, man. I think taking that same approach that you took to get that ninety five car, coupled now with these yes. good performances, yes. is a way easier sale. Um, are you? Would you take opportunities in a in a reasonable, decent Xfinity ride over racing in the Cup Series?
4: Uh, man, I don't know. I, I think I'm at a point where I just um, you know winning would be a priority. Over wherever anything. that is. Yeah. Um, and beggars can't be choosers. Sure. And I have to trust the, the path. And there's a lot of things that happen out of my control. So I feel like I'd be a little silly looking back at a my lot career and be are- like, I'll only do this. I have to – so much has been out of my control. Yeah. There'll be fans that
0: are curious. Um, taking it taking an opportunity on an even smaller underperforming team in the Cup Series.
4: Um, I think that, just looking at my career and, and – What I've learned, I I think if I take a step backwards, it'll be real detrimental uh, to my career. I'm a big believer in continuing to climb the ladder. And I feel like if I take a step backwards, um, I'll have nothing else to to prove there. And it'll just be um, real rough on my career.
1: Yeah. Were you the one that had the quote that uh, after the road course race that you're racing for your life? Yep. Would
4: you agree? What is your reaction to the statement that you're a better racer when you're racing for your life? Um yeah so i always say so my i'd have this chat with uh so my wife has to for lack of a better term talk me off the ledge all the time i have to do that with my folks my, my parents um so i so my father was very 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 down at the dumps take where i was and he was even worse and i was like man that's bad so and this was just last week um after the i got the phone call the dreaded phone call so i told i told him i was like um Hey, as a race car driver, he's like, I, I just wish I could have given you more and more opportunity. I wish we had the funding and, you know, I wish I worked harder, younger in life and was smarter, blah, blah, blah. He's going on. I'm like, dude, no. I was like, if this whole thing failed tomorrow, I would not change a single thing of my path to get here because that's what's made me a better race car driver. I couldn't, if I went and had an easier route, just and especially for me, it I wouldn't appreciate it just the way I am. I wouldn't appreciate it as I wouldn't be able to appreciate it as much. I wouldn't bleed for it as badly. And I wouldn't be as good behind the wheel and learning all these aspects of NASCAR that I would have never known, like how hard these small teams work and, you know, the the hours that these guys pull and, and just um, having to work so well and make these teams like a family to try and keep everybody going when they're busting their tails, so I was like, no, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. This is the path that I was meant to take, regardless what happens.
1: Your performance at Bristol. Is there any other explanation for it? I mean, listen, it's not it's not dogging you by saying that you haven't been contending for a win all year, but you were up there contending for a win and almost won that race. Does Matt Benedetto, who's not racing for his life, almost beat Denny Hamlin and win that race?
4: Uh, that is a good question. I got asked that and I was like, I wasn't driving any different. That racer didn't have any different outlook. I've learned, I've learned years ago and through this whole process, every time I strap in a freaking race car, I give my 110% and never, if I slack off for one lap, I won't be able to sleep or live with myself. So no, I didn't drive that one any different or have any different mindset. I got good advice from my friend, uh, AJ Allmendinger, who is everybody knows like my brother, he, he said. Don't go out there and try and drive any different than you ever do. Don't go out there and try and prove yourself. He's like, I've done it before, I've made those mistakes. Just he's like, You're a wheel man, just go do your job and don't and I did. I drove the that's just one that we have circled off. Bristol seems to be one of those where we as a little bit of a smaller team can can overachieve a little extra at those. Oh. We'd been running top five and top ten at a lot of races recently but that one's just one I think where and that the first race we had good speed and this one was even better. They felt our car was gonna be better. So, I didn't drive any different uh, I've been racing I've been driving for my life for years. That wasn't just that one week. that's been basically most of my career
0: so you had a little contact with Ryan Newman there late in the race trying to get around him and get him lapped um and that did a little more damage to your car than mm-hmm. visually you could you could see there was a little bit of damage, but it probably uh, you could explain how badly that made the car handle
4: yeah have you ever you ever had trouble passing ryan newman in your career <laughs> <laughs> there's
0: i was we were talking we were talking uh coincidentally on the show last week about how everybody seems to be driving a lot more like newman these year these yeah. days uh, everybody's making themselves a lot harder to pass but he him, him him in particular has a great um reputation for that
4: yeah for sure so i i'm i'm catching newman it's amazing the things you process when you're out there racing, and especially in a place like Bristol, I still were leading the race. And, and I wasn't like, people were like, oh, are you going crazy? And there was like, no, I'm just, I want to win, whether I'm in a go kart or a cup car. I was just focused. So I'm running my laps, just like I always, other than this past week, and put my main rule is just stay disciplined all the time. Just running, making no mistakes, clicking off my laps. Had a good car. And I see us catching Newman, and I'm like, oh, man, this is not what I'm wanting. Everybody else, we've been flying through lap traffic real well. I get to them and I process to them, like, if I win this race, I'm gonna be in the playoffs. He's on the bubble. He's not, he's extra gonna oh, wow. not want me to win.
0: You're and, thinking about that while yeah.
4: Oh crap. Yep. So I'm catching him, and I'm thinking this through. I'm like, oh, he's gonna make it even harder on me. And he's on the lead lap. I um, mean, he's running. <clears throat> I think we were lapping him for like 11th. So I'm like, he's gonna he's gonna be racing me real hard. So I catch him, <clears throat> and I'm like, I see I see Denny coming but when I had some clean racetrack we clipped, clicked off the same laps I had even a couple faster ones we maintained I'm like if I can get my Newman to get that clear racetracking from him that's it that's going to be the move that's going to win us the race I got to make quick work of him. get right to him get under him a couple times you know I'm like oh, man I, that's going to be tough to pass him then he's going to catch me but then I saw he his line start moving down where he's running kind of the middle-ish and t- cutting down real quick on exit so then I I'm like, if I can get to his outside, get to his right rear, like clearly there and keep that momentum, keep it wound up on the top, get around him and, and drive past. Oh man, we're going to be good. So sure enough, I get right to his bumper, gas it up in the middle of the corner, get to his right rear tire. And I'm like, I'm there not, you know, you got to be careful if you just stick barely your bumper sure. there and it's questionable. I was like, I want to make sure I'm there. And I did gas it up and we had a huge run off corner. I'm at his right rear tire and, um, uh, he just came up anyways and i listened to a spotter to see like hey did a spotter not i always give people the benefit sure. of the doubt before i just start a war or something i'm not gonna do that you try and gain the respect everybody listen to his spotter i think it's jason Jarrett, i believe and he, he was like 95 coming outside 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 and i'm like okay no this spotter definitely called it <laughs> um and i think he was just uh, i'll ask him this week oh uh, you'll go see him Yeah, Yeah. and not about racing. You don't ask Ryan Newman about racing hard. He's going to race. He doesn't discriminate. That's just him. But the stuffing me part. So then, long story short, that was uncalled for. Um, But, yeah, when he stuffed me, I was like, oh, man, you got to be kidding me. So that checked me up big time. And then we get around him. My car immediately the next corner. There was actually a hole in the left front fender. And Arrow is still bigger at Bristol than you would think. And even I thought. I went the next corner. My car went from handling about perfect, maybe a tick tight uh, almost nothing it was really good to eight out of ten tight couldn't even turn the next corner my heart sank I was like I I was doing everything I could but at that point all I'm doing is just trying to complete the corner because I was so tight I pick up the gas chatter the right front tire plow almost hit the fence off the corner Um, and then we lost almost uh, and at Bristol you know uh almost three tenths a lap good lord we were running when i'd clean track we were running 1570s and that's what denny was running to or matching him went to 16 0s couldn't yeah. even turn and then i couldn't even fight denny i'm like uh, i'll try and stay on his outside and i couldn't and i grabbed the gas trying to keep the momentum off the corner plowed goes straight toward the fence he just drives by and i, I was i couldn't even hardly i couldn't even talk after the race yeah
0: you guys had a moment in victory lane. Afterwards, uh, he said on the PA that he was upset uh, that he had to pass you and how hard that was on him emotionally. But he, you know, obviously he's glad he won the race. You had an opportunity to have a pretty emotional um, post-race interview yourself. Uh, but then y'all had some conversation in victory lane. What were you guys saying off the, you know, off camera between each other?
4: Yeah. So, so Denny, I've had so much respect for him because uh, he's actually helped my career in general too back when i was at go fast we were going into a race weekend that was unsponsored and that's big you know our team was like hey maybe we should reach out on social media who knows we just get a tire sponsor or something for the weekend reach out to corporate america and it i don't want to say backfired but it turned out completely different than what our intention was. was like i reached out and was like hey if anyone oh, i'll shorten it up anyone you know wants to sponsor a car for this weekend we're on sponsor we're trying to do all we can keep on yeah. you know get what we can I for remember the team it. help and um, he uh, and so uh, there was a, <laughs> you know, all about the uh, the help we got that yeah. weekend, um, and that was that was very cool and generous of a, a lot of people that that helped, and he um, he was one of them that, that jumped on. That
1: was where they put a social media post out there. It, refresh my memory on that.
4: Go fast was
0: going to Phoenix. Yep. And needed some needed a little bit of help. did they basically just said, look, we don't have a sponsor on the car. Anybody wants to jump on? and so uh denny right. and a bunch of people in the industry got involved and i think denny was the first for maybe the first one to actually reach out yeah so shirt. he
4: kind of started it and it um and it blew up and i believe there was a a logo around here on the, the race car yeah, well, yeah. as well <laughs> yeah
0: whiskey river or something on there yeah
4: there was whiskey river on the car yeah um but anyway long story short talking about uh, denny so he was part of that he kind of started that whole thing and it blew up and then everybody and, Harvick and uh and whiskey rivers on the race car, and uh, there's a lot. Of, and uh, DW was yeah. on the car. It started this whole wave, and it actually turned into us getting a six race primary sponsor for the team, which was huge, crazy, huge. So, he, and in victory lane, I went up to him, and first thing he says, he looks at me, he's like, "I am so sorry," and I'm like, "What? What are you sorry about, man? We're racing. Like you're trying to win." He's like, eh. "So he pulls me. He's like, if I've ever not wanted to pass somebody in my entire career for a win." He was like, it was right there. And I'm just like, dude, no, great job. You know, yeah. you, you you won. That was awesome. And he was like, no, man, I believe in you so much. I don't give away everything he said, but he was just like, I believe in you so much. I've always believed in you. That's why I wanted help when you're even at Go Fast and you're fighting and clawing. And he's like, you're, you're going to, you just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be okay. You're, you're going to make, you're a wheel man. He went on this whole thing and I was like, man, I was already like emotional more than normal just because of the fight and the week I had and, and stuff that people don't know uh, with, you know, my wife having to pick me up all this stuff. Um, and then when he said that, it was like, uh, I was just like, Oh, I can barely even get words out. It's just emotional time. Very neat.
0: Well, man, we, um, we appreciate you coming over here and, and giving us a little bit of time to talk to you today. You're on a lot of people's mind. You, uh, I don't know if you know it, but there's just, you know, there's a lot of people that are pulling for you to figure out what you're going to be doing next year, regardless of what that is, everybody's going to be in your corner uh, celebrating uh, your success this year and whatever else is going on with you going forward. Uh, we're one of your fans. Absolutely. And I, appreciate I think, it. yeah, I think that um, as hard as last year was for you to take that gamble, to to get out of something familiar in the 32 car and be in limbo, uh, as hard as that was on you and as hard as this morning or yesterday was on you and uh, getting over that, mistake you made at the race in, in the Xfinity race the other day, we hope that you continue to fight, you know, and continue to uh, to do whatever you can and claw to get these opportunities because we all love seeing you out on the racetrack. Uh, we love what you bring not only on the track but to the sport. Your social media game is strong. Uh-huh. You really enjoy that, and you, you're one of the few drivers that show us part of your life and what you're involved in and doing. Um, you're just great for the sport. You know, there's not a, not every driver is as charismatic and is positive and 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 brings as much to the table. So uh, the sport is better for having you in it, and so there's a lot of people that hope that uh, that you're around for a long time. So uh, we're glad you're here, buddy, and and thanks for coming on. And hopefully we're going to have you back on here um, in the near future, talking about some great things and good announcements. All right?
4: Absolutely, man. That sounds good. I appreciate you. Appreciate you guys having me in here. Thank you, Matt.
0: Hiring is a challenge. We've said it before. There's one place, though, where you can go and hiring is simple, fast, and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com. Mm-hmm. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applicants come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of the employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day, Like, right now, Mm. sign up. By tomorrow, you might have the person you're looking for. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. That's ziprecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. D A L E J R. ZipRecruiter.com slash Dale Jr. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. That's nice.
6: I want to go hire somebody. Yeah.
0: We all need
3: a helping
1: hand. Here comes the handy man. All right. This is, the, of, of course, as the music would indicate, this is now time for the DIY Valvoline question of the week. Dale, a lot of people, uh, this is a good talking point in our studio is this, this roof you got back, this car roof behind us. Yeah. And uh, you love talking about it. It's like the ultimate little man cave thing to have. And you have a way of doing this. I mean, the story of this roof, it didn't actually come off of a real race car. You went and re- recreated one. Tell us about how you did it and what you uh, recommend for people that want to do something similar.
0: Okay, so if you see the roof in the studio and you think, man, that's cool, I would love to have something like that in my man cave, you can. And it's not very expensive at all. So, and I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. Okay. (laughs) All right, because I have now since um, made another roof. All right. Yeah, so we have the roof here, and it's basically circa 1979, 1980, Dale Earnhardt, it's off the roof, it's a Monte Carlo roof. Also have the roof off of a Pontiac, and it's basically the 1981 Rod Astler Number Two roof. And I'm thinking maybe of making a roof for every sort of different car Dad drove throughout his Cup career, and, and having all those roofs. All right, all right, and hanging them out, at, hanging them in my shop. This to me could be the focal point of any really serious NASCAR man cave. Okay, okay, it's perfect. It's not race used. That's true, but that type of stuff is very expensive to obtain. But it's beautiful, and uh, what you do is basically go down to your local junkyard and find the car that you're looking for. In this case, it's a 1979-1980 Monte Carlo roof. Cut that roof off, all right? And it's going to be relatively inexpensive to get that obtained. So you get the roof and you cut it off. We will box in where we've cut the roof, uh, we'll box that in with a little bit of pop uh, spot welding and, and uh, clean and grind and, and clean up where that's been cut and that roof's been removed so that it's smooth and nice on the other side. Nobody's going to rub a uh, hand across that edge and cut themselves, but you clean it up a little bit. takes a little bit of grinding, a little sanding maybe. Clean up all the uh, windshield glue and goo off, the wind, off that thing and sandblast it or just hand sand it if you want uh, to get it nice and smooth and clean. All right, and then you acquire the paint code colors, and you either get a local body shop or a buddy of yours or whoever to paint the roof. All right, Um, you gotta spend a little money, maybe on decals, and you can go as far as you want. In in this case, we have the roof number, obviously, we have the red pinstriping, and the name on the roof, Dale Earnhardt, and also the decal for the race team itself, Austral and Racing. Now that decal for Austral Racing, we had to remake special because those aren't around. On eBay or anywhere, I've been looking forever and haven't found one. That's not necessary to make, but maybe the roof number, the pinstriping, and the name Dale Earnhardt would be uh, something that would be necessary to have on there. That stuff as well is relatively inexpensive, maybe a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks to have those made. In all, I think you can get this roof made for around 150 to 200 bucks.
1: Mm, that's something. Looks so good.
0: You got a nice piece. And I'm, ta- I'm only saying these things if you're really particular about the cost because people can be. You can go on there. You could you could say on Twitter, ah, it was $200, didn't cost anything, and you're going to get your ass chewed because 200 bucks is a lot of money to some people. Sure. So I'm just trying to say that whatever you put in it, it's not going to depreciate in right. value. It's only going to uh, become worth more and more, especially if you take care of it, keep it indoors and so forth. But, man, I mean, it's just it, – for me, when I walk in here, of all – we have items. All, all types of items we have a driver's suit or a, a, a for real Dale Earnhardt 1984 driver suit the comet the chicken pizza all the things in here my eyes always go to that roof it's bright it's colorful it's beautiful and it just it's just an awesome piece to be hanging there and so again i'm i'm a little frustrated why i didn't start making these sooner because i'd like to continue to make i'd like to make a roof uh, i need to get a Ford Thunderbird roof I do a b- old number 15 Bud Moore roof that dad drove uh, maybe even get the uh, get the boxed Ford Thunderbird and the round one, do both, because he had uh, you know they they changed bodies in the middle of his ride with Bud Moore, and then I'd have to go into the Wrangler days with RCR and get some roofs for that, my what? old Monte Carlos and do those, and I would just kind of make roofs, man, make me a roof. Just a matter of finding the car in a junkyard, yeah. right? That's and what's
2: it, cool because back then they they had stock roofs. Yeah, they
0: had stock roofs on the car, so that's why it looks so realistic. That's a good point, you yeah. know. That is cool. Yeah, we've yet to see anyone try to mimic or, or emulate what we've done here. I'd love to see fans try to do it. I'd love to hear how they did it, um, how much money they put into it, uh, and if it could encourage other people. Because I really think this is a this is a way to really create some history. And that race used sheet metal is awesome, but there's not a lot of that stuff available from the 80s, mm-hmm. right? And if it is, it's not in very good shape. Um, so, kind of recreating something. Uh, like this i think is a is a win-win
1: hey, it's an awesome diy project Absolutely. You, you do diy projects that was one of uh one that's anybody can do so thank you for giving us a story on that uh from high mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film to new engines that have carbon buildup head over to com slash dell to find the product spec for your engine
0: Hey, everybody, it's Dale Jr. at the Dale Jr. Download. This is the Ask Junior portion of the show, sponsored by Nationwide. Appreciate everybody for tuning in on our YouTube channel. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe to Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. Follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, for all kinds of great content. Uh, Leah, you're going to hear her voice. That's our media
3: Hello, my voice. expert.
0: She's going to be <laughs> ask. Uh, she's going to be repeating your questions that you guys are sending in to us. And you might also hear Mike Davis as well off camera. But let's get started, Leah.
6: All right. First question comes from James Maples. Um, He wants to know, how would you all feel about NASCAR adding an endurance race? 24 hours Indy road course sounds kind of interesting.
0: Love it. You know what I think would be a great idea uh, for NASCAR to do is, uh, for IMSA and NASCAR uh, to do together is, for the 24 hours of Daytona, they should introduce and include a stock car class. And they should have one car from each organization. So you would have one car from Gibbs, one car from Hendrick, one car from front row, one car from, you know, each team to have a relatively reasonable field of anywhere from 8 to 12 vehicles uh, to compete in the stock car class. And uh, I mentioned this actually during the broadcast of the 24 Hours of Daytona on NBC this year, the only question we had, really, I think, was whether the engines could be prepared to sustain 24 hours of uh, racing. And Doug Yates, who builds motors for a lot of the Fords in the uh, in the Cup Series, said, "Yeah, we could, we could do it. We could, we could do that. That'd be a lot of fun." I think it'd be great for the teams to challenge themselves. It'd be a new challenge for uh, organizations and teams to 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 develop cars and and equipment to withstand uh, the grueling. Uh, beating that a car is gonna take through uh, throughout that race you'd have to work out the uh the headlights and all those things and and there would be some new technology that would have to be incorporated and it might be relatively expensive to do that but if there's a way to do it that would be probably the the neatest way to introduce it uh you wouldn't want a standalone own stock car only 24 hour race if you had Joe Gibbs racing and you got four cars out there you're gonna need. 16 drivers, something like that, 12 drivers. And getting in and out of the car is going to be a real challenge, trying to get the cars comfortable to where drivers can get in and out of the cars will be a real challenge for that many team. That'd be just way too expensive uh, per organization. So what I think is maybe one car from each organization included in what is already the Daytona 24-hour race. And uh, that way, you know, Gibbs could use three or four of their current drivers uh, for that one team. And uh, it might be a lot of fun just to see, you know, Not, I would be more interested really on how the cars held up and, uh, and how well they, they, they withstood those, those conditions. And maybe it's a one-time thing. Maybe it's something that turns, I don't know how they could work it into our point system to where it counted some way toward maybe just the manufacturer's points. I'm not sure um, how they could make it worth the team's efforts. Uh, but that would be a cool way to do it.
6: Matthew Cobb writes in. He wants to know, um, in honor of it being throwback weekend, what is a scheme scheme that you feel like should have already been recognized but hasn't yet?
0: You know, it's hard to remember all the ones that have been recognized in Darlington for our throwback uh, weekend there, and and even before that in other races. Um, One of the ones that I see pop up from time to time that I I actually wasn't a real big fan of back when it was around, but I have become – Interested more interested in possibly seeing this car out there, is the Bell South car, uh, number 42. The bright, colorful neon green, red, and all that. I think um, maybe Kenny Irwin drove it. Joe Nemechek drove it, I believe. I'm not real sure exactly everyone that drove that car, but that would be a cool one to see for Kyle Larson. And every time we roll around toward throwback weekend or the months leading up when everybody's starting to announce their cars, as soon as Kyle Larson starts to tease his announcement of what car he's going to run, social media starts to pour in pictures of this Bell South number 42 car, hoping that this is the year that they're going to run that that color scheme. So I would love to see it happen because obviously a lot of other people want to see it as well. That'd be one. Outside of that, I think it would be very cool for Austin Dillon and RCR to do the very first number three 1981. Wrangler paint scheme, and they would have to use that correct font that Dad had on his car, which is a really wicked-looking kind of early '80s thing, you know, style number three. They used it in the back half of 1981. That number font went away. Obviously, Dad went to Bud Moore, but when he came back to uh, RCR in in 1984 or '85, he uh, had a different font for the number three. So this 1981, late 1981 wrangler number three font with the yellow nose blue tail i think that'd be a good looking race car
6: annie t wants to know are there any throwback announcers you would like to call a race with
0: early in the show we were doing some conversation about that and and matthew dillner david dillner um, (laughs) for some of you folks said uh david hobbs right and uh so david hobbs would be pretty cool he was he was in the booth in 1979 for the Daytona 500 with Ken Squire, so maybe Ken Squire and Hobbs for a few minutes, maybe a uh, maybe let Hobbs and Squire go for a couple segments, a couple uh, you know between a couple commercial breaks. I think my favorites are long gone. You know, Benny Parsons was probably one guy that I have a ton of respect for. His ability to be a race car driver and transition into the booth uh, was very challenging, and he did it with ease. A lot of people don't even think it was hard, but he made it look so easy, but he did a very difficult thing transitioning out of the race car. And um, Barney Hall uh, mm. was amazing on the radio, just a beautiful voice, perfect for, uh, perfect for racing and uh, perfect for – he was just the only one you know, that could do it just that way. And I don't know how to, how to describe his style and, and the sound of his voice, but I can't imagine anyone else doing races in the 80s um, better than him. Uh, but Hobbs would be cool to get back in. He does the F1 stuff now and still quite prevalent and, and successful with that. And so it would be cool to have him come in and do a cup race every now and then.
6: Jimmy Baskin is watching on YouTube, but he's actually about to roll into Charlotte for the day. Um, he wants to know what barbecue place you recommend here in Charlotte?
0: Well, you can go to Whiskey River and get some barbecue there. You know, I I have a hard time. Uh, there's not a, there's. I need to branch out. Matthew might have some barbecue places that he could – Uh, he could offer, but um, my barbecue, I have a hard time admitting this, man. I'm not a big fan of North Carolina barbecue. It's all right. Yeah. I love uh, Texas style and, you know, Midwest, Kansas, Oklahoma. But Matthew, do you have any places that you could send this guy out to
2: yeah if you want to go if you're if you're a race fan you go to um lancaster's lancaster's yeah uh because of the racing history but if you're a fan of all different genres of barbecue in my opinion you go to smoke pit and concord or you go down to uh plaza midwood uh midwood smokehouse uh they have a good uh selection of between um those will give you a good cross section between carolina barbecue st louis Mm -hmm. style barbecue texas barbecue
0: okay there you have it
6: i think that's it for today
0: all right, guys. I appreciate y'all tuning in uh, to the Ask Junior segment of the show presented by Nationwide. Door bumper clear.
5: This ain't your average
4: race recap. Oh, Unfiltered commentary and an abundance of opinion. Mr. Nice guy or Mr. Good got yeah. out of my way. I'm like Johnny Cash. We ain't afraid to
1: walk the line. Listen to Door Bumper Clear, available on major podcast platforms. Door bumper
0: clear. Bumper clear. clear. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag or
1: right there. White flag. All right, I'm gonna start this white flag. I mean, there's really no other way to start it. Guess who's racing this weekend, everybody? Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh me? Yeah. Oh, you had to think about that. for Well,
0: time? I mean, I didn't. You know, you were talking as if I wasn't in the room.
1: Right? I mean, I know, right? That's a little <laughs> awkward, right? Uh, Dale Jr. is racing this weekend, Saturday at Darlington Throwback Weekend. Hey, by the way, you know what era they're going to theme this one? Yeah, 19- <laughs>
0: 1992 spring. <laughs> right. Spring of 1992 is the uh, throwback era.
1: Spring. <laughs> <laughs> so go to DarlingtonRaceway.com for your tickets. Guess who else is going to be there? Leah Marie Vaughn. Jeez. And she's going to be out there handing out dirty Mo Media decals. But I said to Leah Marie Vaughn that these people need to earn them. They got to earn the decals. They just don't give them out like it's currency. Don't give them out like, cause you know, I mean, we got a budget. I don't want to just waste them. So I suggested, you know, shotgunning a beer for our social media channels, something cool. I don't think Leah Marie. I'm surprised that you it. suggested that Mike. Uh, Leah Marie didn't like that. She I, wanted to do something else. What What are we going to do to give out decals?
6: Well, whatever people want Wait, hey, you
1: haven't thought of something? I thought I mean, that you were teeing she had, her up. Well, she, I mean, no, she has some, we have some ideas, we but I'm, some
6: ide- are we getting, beads
1: i wanted to get gosh I, to you. You, I-, I forgot that i said that to uh, you Dale. i forgot oh. that i said that to you that was no. a terrible idea that was funny and it was she was talking safe. about throwback costumes and that kind of thing yeah um i, I didn't know people that people that
6: dress like like you are Dale. You all right have your throwback tees come up you know sport them this yep. weekend
1: so we're still going to work that out, but here's the point: you're going to have to earn it. And Lee is going to be out all right. there all those days. Oh, you got an idea?
0: Yeah, if they're oh. wearing something from 1994 spring, <laughs> <laughs> the spring of 1994, wearing a shirt made right, right, right <laughs> from any, that from right, that yeah. yeah from that era. Yeah, okay. If they
2: could name Lee, Vaughn, and, and Dale, uh, Dale, and Mike's and everybody's
0: middle names, <laughs>
2: yeah,
6: no, that yeah. be.
1: No.
6: I like it, Mike like Davis's
0: middle. Mike Davis's middle name.
1: You get oh, a Lord. sticker, <laughs> right? But we're not going to say it now, all it's right? Patrick. So that, it's Patrick, or, or we are. <laughs> well,
0: that means they would have
1: to listen to the show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's, there you right. Go. That that's right. That ties right. them back in. All yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, guess who else is going to be there? Uh, the Dirty Mo Media crew will be. They'll be shadowing Dale all weekend for a short film that will appear exclusively, exclu- <laughs> exclusively on the Dirty Mo Media YouTube channel. It's called Time Machine. Go you're subscribe gonna, to our YouTube channel. Well, you're going to have not- a
0: lot of stickers left. Why? Because a lot of people are going to get that, Patrick. I think, I think, How about you just I, no. ask them if they know who the two co-hosts for the show are?
1: Well, no,
2: yeah, the no, two. Guys, I guess we are host and co host. Yeah. Easy I, enough.
1: Who, who give them <laughs> a damn sticker. How about it's just anybody that impresses Leah of Leia, the, does would, some, like silly human tricks? I mean, like, yeah. so Leia, they got to earn I like it. If they, they get tricks. it wrong, still give them a sticker. Say, good job. Good hand them a sticker. do no. we'll Be like no. Oprah. No, no, no. You got a sticker. You get a sticker. They've got to earn it and succeed. They can't just get. This isn't a participation trophy. Not my decals. I've never been to an infield at race
6: before, so I don't know what to expect.
1: Well, just don't be there.
6: Are, like, where, like, where should the bar be Mike, set? Like, <laughs>
0: Mike's really hi, hi. hanging on to these decals. Hi. No, yes, this I know. Is not I had,
2: had to, one. like, beg him for a third one. You guys I asked him for some,
0: it. and he handed me,
1: like, he, had a, he laid, like, <laughs> two a or one. three. <laughs> 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 you got to do a well, stupid human you know trick why? next he time, did, he, I'd seen you shotgun a beer, stupid and it didn't get you any more decals. I mean, okay, that's just, right. you got to earn it. Apple podcast writing. Oh, by the way, did I say? Yeah. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's where the short documentary that Matthew Dillner, James Brosan, James Brosan, known as the guy that you see in the cutaways uh, of uh, the Dale Jr. Download <laughs> TV show. Um, they're going to be out there. Always. It's going to be a good time. Apple podcast rating and reviews. Jason Langford wrote this week. Back in 2002, I lost my cousin. Me and him were like brothers and we shared the same passions, including being the biggest Dale Jr. fans. Listening to y'all's podcast feels like I have my cousin right next to me and we're listening to Junior. So thank you. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Jason. Alcatraz 51 wrote, Dale, I've been listening for about two months now. I truly believe this is your calling. You have helped bring life back to the sport of NASCAR. Damn. Ain't that nice? Pimp, I- Pimping ain't easy three, wrote. <laughs> That's his name. I, don't know, I just read the names. Hey, Dirty Mo Crew, his podcast, this podcast reminds me why I fell in love with racing. By the way, Mike Davis, I'm a current student at Georgia Southern, and I have tremendous pride when I see you wearing a Georgia Southern hat. It's a reminder of why I go to college, to fund my racing. I went to college so I could fund my student loans uh, and pay it right back. Squatch 6888 wrote, I stopped following NASCAR in 06 when I joined the Army, but this podcast has linked the past to the present for me. Also, Dell Jr., thank you for your book, Racing to the Finish. It helped me come to understand my own brain injury suffered in Afghanistan. Holy
0: crap. Oh, wow. Man,
1: is that cool? Yeah. I mean, not cool that he had a... No, that sounds, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. Absolutely. I knew you'd like no, that one, so thank thankful. you.
0: Yeah, I'm grateful.
1: This uh close up with some foundation news. you got your ride with Dale Jr. on Thursday. That'll be a lot of fun. And also, don't forget Socket to Childhood Cancer. Buying socks at Socket to CC.com. All proceeds go directly to the Dale and Amy Earnhardt Fund at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And that's it. Let's hear some odd history.
0: All right, we got some odd history here. We have two mm. for you today. All Why? Right. Because it's Darlington weekend. Why not? Uh, the first, Southern 500 was ran in 1950. That's NASCAR's second season. We've all heard about the 75-car field that took the green under the South Carolina sun and how Johnny Mance took the win in a car owned by Bill France. But this was a tale very few know about, this particular one. Before the first Southern 500, the longest NASCAR race ever held was only 200 miles in length. Because this 500-mile contest was expected to last over six hours, drivers didn't know how to stay hydrated during such a long race. And according to Buck Baker, one unnamed driver brought a big jug of beer to drink while he raced. Baker later said, after the first few laps, that beer got to churning and the suds began to spill out of that car like a washing machine overflowing. (laughs) Meanwhile, Baker brought a glass bottle of tomato juice along in his number 87 Oldsmobile. The glass shattered and spilled all over him when he crashed on lap 176.
1: As glass does.
0: (laughs) Unhurt, but covered in red liquid, the first person to Baker's car declared, this poor fella has done got his head cut off. (laughs) That is some odd history for you.
2: Well, who was the the guy with the beer? I don't know, man. There's no no account on who it is. I think it was Buck Baker.
0: (laughs) There's some incredible stories from those first few uh, Darlington races about tires and and cars. All right, Odd History Story number two for you. The 12th annual Southern 500 was run in 1961. Nelson Stacy won the event over Fireball Roberts. One year later, Darlington refused to call the next race the 13th annual. Why? Because of superstition. Of course. Instead of using the unlucky number 13, the race had the clever title of 12th Renewal <laughs> of the Southern 500. The 12th Renewal. The following year, the 14th annual race was held and advertised as such. Back to normal. There you oh go. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, NASCAR man, for team. up. Race car drivers so and NAS- cool. yeah, motorsports, race car drivers, even the industry folks are superstitious.
1: NASCAR man, find out who was the guy with the beer yeah. in the car. I'm, my theory is it was Buck Baker saying, I heard there was yeah. a guy <laughs> with beer in their car. All right,
0: man. Great show, guys.
1: Good. It was real good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you really enjoyed it.
1: Well, no, I was—I I sound like uh, I, somebody doesn't want to interfere with your read. <laughs>
0: well, it says right here, react on what you liked about it, please.
1: I liked all of it. Are you kidding? Matt that I liked Steve LaTar.
0: How about that one question you, uh, Mike, Matt answered to you? You're, you're, I couldn't believe you it. You had a great yeah, a great question.
1: I know. Frankly, I want to play it back. Yeah? Yeah. Just Yeah. I mean, in fact, could you even recap now, what I he think, said?
0: I think you should just
1: – where Where'd you get the idea to ask such a question? Where all my great ideas come from, Dale?
0: He was sitting on the toilet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't hit the stop button. Don't hit
0: it. Don't move on to the next show just yet. Stick with us for just another second while we talk about Pristine Auction. Pristine is an online sports memorabilia website where you can bid and win some amazing authentic items. They have all different auctions. Mm-hmm. Is That's that right. even a proper sentence? It is, actually. Ones that last for days, and then they have these daily ones. And yes, the rapid fire, 10-minute auctions.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: This week, we found a pair of Eric. Who is that? Eric Esch. Esch.
1: Oh. Uh-huh. I didn't even know that was his last name. Yeah, Eric, me neither. I thought Eric Eric his mom Esch. called him Butterbean.
0: Damn. <laughs> Signed USA Boxing Trunks. That's Butterbean. Butterbean he the died. famous boxer.
1: What? Did he, did he die? I think Butterbean's dead. No. Oh, somebody look it up.
0: I'm Mike, That's a terrible thing
1: to say. Yeah, assume. don't
2: announce that Butterbean died if you don't know. No kidding. It's Butterbean. It
1: didn't happen yesterday, guys.
2: Buddy Baker sang about him.
0: I know, but isn't its it, is it edit, proper etiquette and, and, and nice to say that somebody died? If you're really not sure,
2: the value of these trunks you just went be up. Sure. He
6: is not dead. He's not, He's dead, not Mike. dead,
2: Mike. Gosh, that's rude. Oh, Butterbean is alive and well. eating butter beans and listening to this podcast.
1: I'm so happy. He's still with us. That guy (laughs) had a bigger head than me. He's still with us? These are some giant
2: shorts,
0: okay? (laughs) (laughs) uh, They're signed and only on Pristine for $20. Go to pristineauction.com now. It's free to register, free to bid, and of course you only pay for the items you win. Remember, with Pristine, the authenticity is guaranteed. Mm. That's pristineauction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. Come on, Junior Nation. Don't forget, when you register, please select Dell Jr. Download Podcast from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section. That's really important. It lets them know that
1: we're the ones that sent you there. I think I got it confused with Bam Bam Bigelow.
2: Oh, my gosh, man. Now you're saying now, Bam Bam Bigelow? You're digging a hole, just, man. No, what if no, Bam Bam's still alive? Everybody's alive.
1: Could, could you could you search Bam Bam Bigelow, please? I, think I haven't that,
0: heard that in ages. I think that he's only trying to couple this with someone that he knows is dead.
6: Bam Bam Bigelow is dead.
0: Hey, Uh, Mike finally got one right. Don't cheer.
6: Okay. (laughs)
2: Everybody's cheering. Bam Bam
6: was 6'4 and 390 pounds, and Butterbean was 5'11 and 425 pounds.
0: I can see how you get them confused, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Big boys. big, Big, bald boys. I think Mike... Is just backtracking here, trying to save face. So he thought of ho- someone who's dead. I think Bam Bam died recently. Abraham Lincoln.
6: Uh, two thousand seven.
0: I need a rather large Does fellow that a- was in the wrestling or boxing <laughs> business that's dead that I can <laughs> help that I can say, "Oh, my bad,
1: got him mixed up."
6: He has a head tattoo. Who? Um. Bam bam,
1: she's, well, she's going down the bam bam rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> so she's gonna be watching YouTube. Right. Bam she bam, she'll YouTube be watching videos. like yeah, bam bam, and then she'll be like, wow, Randy Macho Man Savage. This is dead. going. You
0: know where this is going to end? Her rabbit hole, Flintstone. <laughs> Flintstone, Flintstone videos. Yeah, oh that's right. Bam, bam.
2: Yeah, yeah, bam. Yeah. bam. <laughs> and all of a sudden,
0: our social media <laughs> yeah. feed is the Flintstones and wrestling. Yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. So I feel like people would enjoy that. All right, what do we do? I think What's that- next? You say goodbye. Yeah, that's it. Oh, well, goodbye, people. We'll see you. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Matt was great. Thanks for Steve Latart for finally watching Days of Thunder. Can't wait for next week. Can we even announce our guest right now?
1: Sure. Who is it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do we want to announce it to Dale first?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we've Holy been shit. talking guests so okay. much here lately. He used to I'm live on confused. your property. Brad Keselowski is our guest. Mm. I knew he was coming up soon. Brad haslaski the man's got opinions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's ask him some philosophical questions.
0: Yes, man. please. Let's do it. <clears throat> This bit of bad was made
3: by Dirty Mo' Media. Dirty Mo'.